Welcome to another episode of the Engaged Podcast. I'm Jamie. I'm Simon. And today it's our annual season review. And this time we are doing, obviously, uh, season six of TNG. So, yes, another year has uh, come around. Um, and as usual, obviously, month of prep, 26 episodes. Um, you know, and it's kind of been quite taxing this year, I think, doing this, hasn't it, Si? Definitely. Because obviously we've both had a lot going on kind of behind the scenes with the podcast, obviously because we're doing extra episodes. And um, and I think, you know, it's... I think we had this discussion the other day, didn't we, Sai, where, you know, we've been doing this for so long now, uh, kind of, you know, this is now our sixth year of doing this, and I think we're kind of feeling a bit fatigued from it, aren't we? Well, yeah, it's it's very time-consuming. I do enjoy doing it, Oh, it definitely. Does, does change outlook on quite a few episodes, and my god, I had a bit of a surprise. But I'll go into later. J- Jamie kind of really knows. Mm. Well, me, yeah. uh, really, say? Si? Y- y- yeah, are you kidding me? But that'll come up later, and I'm sure you're all sitting there and going, "What? What the hell are you on about?" Right. <laughs> Well, you know, this has been an interesting season because, I mean, I've I've kind of, a couple of episodes, I've kind of, like something I thought, I won't say now, but something I thought I was going to put up, I actually didn't. And I've put another one up instead, which I didn't think I would. Um, but, you know, season six is intriguing because I think it's safe to say we both really liked the season. but It's just it, very mixed, as I've always yeah. thought. It's just, I've always I, struggled with it. I always I, have done. I I did enjoy it, but I must admit it was it's not as brilliant as I remember. And if I mean, because it's weird, because season four, when we watched that and we analysed it, when we did our season review, I actually enjoyed it even more. Five was again better than I actually thought as well. And I think out of kind of those last three, I think actually I think I prefer five over six, which really kind of surprised me. It's like. And I think kind of, you know, there were just some episodes where there was just, in terms of, like, the morals, messages and meanings, there was diddly squat, wasn't there? I mean, That's that's one thing you'll realise going through this season is, as I said to Jamie, from pretty much day one when we started this, you can tell they put all the money into the two parts, two-part episodes. So all the other ones are bottle shows and are kind of the cheapest of cheap bottle shows you could possibly produce and they weren't just all bad, save obviously. the money trying to put all the money into all the, the two parts because you've got so many in this season you, that you can next... just tell that yeah. all the money is invested into those yeah and so many of them mm, i mean there's what an extra well it's there's two six, isn't there it's, uh, oh no it's not six there's yeah there's Four so you've episodes, got... yeah, four, yeah, four episodes, yeah. Yeah, so you've got the standard, obviously, the, the season opener and ender, but then you've got two as well in the kind of middle, middle late season. So, you know, and, and that's not to say that the other episodes, the bottle show ones are bad. Some of them are really good. But I think also kind of what we'd found, I think we also kind of said when we were watching through, because obviously me and Sam, we like to briefly discuss, obviously, as we're watching what we thought and all that kind of stuff. I think we were kind of discussing and saying that maybe behind the scenes it may have been the case a bit as well. We've just kind of, maybe the, the cast and crew, maybe we're feeling a bit fatigued as well, maybe. 
did you say something like that? Maybe just uh, uh, we can't really explain it, but just six is great, but it just it it just feels a bit off at times. Yeah, there's it's, some episodes where there's poorly written character development where there's just you sit yeah. there and go, what? There's, there's one in particular that does annoy me, and you just sit there going, what the hell is that episode? What is that character yeah. doing? Like, and I think give that to yeah. many other series in every other season, she would have figured it out. Yeah, and three I and think. Six, Nah, not a chance. And well, actually, there was actually an episode again. I won't say now. Well, I'll say when we get to it. But actually, I think the writer for that episode actually regrets actually doing that episode. It was just like, yeah, that wasn't our finest moment. So maybe it was starting to seep through doing it after for so long. I could we could be wrong, but it just it was just interesting. And you know, and I think the first part of six is a little bit iffy, but I think. We, we enjoyed the second There's half moments more. of greatness in this season. There really is oh, moments of greatness. There is. It's just you got to really dig for it. My God, you got to dig for it. There, there is. I mean, overall, I still think season six is really good. I still thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, but it's not as great as I remember. When you kind of get into our mode of kind of reviewing, instead of just watching, I'll oh, just, you know, just watch it and just relax and stuff and, which we do still when we do this anyway, but you know, we're more an analytical mindset. You look at things differently. Again, I think we've said this before in some of our previous reviews as well, but yeah. So um, obviously again, this is obviously part one. Obviously we'll be going from time zero up to Aquiel for this one, won't we? Yeah. Uh, so should we start? Do you want to start a soft side with time zero? Yeah. Um, so the blurb says for part one, the Enterprise crew is amazed to find Data's head among artifacts in an ex- excavation site. Data must now begin to deal with the fact that somewhere in the future he will die, but is soon snatched through time to San Francisco in the late 1800s. Part 2 says Data enlisted help of Guinan, but has run into some unwelcome curiosity from Sam- Samuel Clements, who tra- um, trails both Data and Guinan, assuming they've arrived from the future with evil contentions. Uh, suffice to say, I put this one up last series, last season, and, and you I will think this that time. I same, yeah, same again. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, we won't be doing a full analysis of this because obviously we did it at the end of our season five review part two. So if you want to listen to it in full, go back to that. But we are going to just briefly just touch on a few points about what we liked and some of the messages. I I love this show. I always have done. It's the a predestination paradox of it all. Mm. You know, and again, as I said last year, I, 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 I did enjoy it. I think it's not my most favourite episode, but I enjoyed it more watching it through again than Can I previously also did. point out, I also rewatched this again this year. Jamie never does it, but I rewatched it again, just kind of completionist of me. Um, I actually have to correct you on that, side. Oh? Uh, I believe last year I did rewatch Redemption. I think I actually said it in the review. That's a first, but you didn't do it this year. I didn't do it this year, no. No, I didn't do it this year, but yeah. (laughs) Well, again, it's good because obviously, you know, you get back into that mindset of doing the review. And obviously, uh, Simon watched, obviously watched this season in HD, didn't you? Um, Yes, with, my God, tons of bloody deleted scenes that took forever. Yeah. Yeah, I was there forever. I really was the (laughs) shit. (laughs) <laughs> and um, I watched it obviously in standard definition again it was the same as last year just practicality because obviously 
with my TV kind of in front of me, I can just pause it and just type notes instead of minimising the screen if I was watching it on Netflix and HD. So again, I'll just, just practical reasons. Um, but yeah, sorry, sir, you were, you were saying. Um, episode, uh, part two won an episode, won an Emmy, two Emmy Awards uh, for outstanding individual achievement in costume design for a series for Robert Blackman and outstanding individual achievement in hairstyling for the series. Uh, nominated for Outstanding Individual Achievement in Sound Editing for the series. Uh, Mrs. Carl Michael's Boarding House is the same building seen as Benny Russell's apartment in Far Beyond the Stars. There's deleted scene as well. Uh, this episode takes place at the same time as Emissary. Oh, does it? Yeah. Did you say that last year as well? Cause... Must have done. I, I, I forgot that. That's... Oh, wow. So... Well, okay. don't bear in mind later on in the series, I do mention when that takes place as well, so... Wait, wait, in Time Zero, it's the same time as Emissary? Mm-hmm. When Chief O'Brien would have gone aboard DS9 and left the Enterprise? Apparently so. That's what my thingy said. Well, then that doesn't make much sense, because how can he still be on board in Rascals later on this season, if that's later? That doesn't make much sense. You might have questioned this last year as well, actually, but yeah. I might have done. I think I may have done, but anyway, go on, sorry. <laughs> what about you, Jamie? Uh, again, I said I've always liked this episode. I was, I've always liked it. I said I, really, I like this episode more now. Like I said, the settings are fantastic. Uh, I said the whole time travel thing's done really well. Again, Clemens is a, just the characters are just, you know, really great and just some nice character development. You know, and again, I said the whole film with Picard and Garn and how they met, I just thought that was just really cleverly done. Just, I like it as a two-part. I said, it's it's not fantastic for me, but I enjoyed it more the first, you know, I enjoyed it watching it more, but I said this time, I didn't re-watch it, but, you know, when I watched it last last year, I enjoyed watching it more, you know, and as a season ender, it's pretty good, and, and it starts off season six quite nicely, I think. It you also know. gets referenced in Timescape. Yes, and I believe I missed that reference. I think you put it out to me when we spoke on the phone, didn't you? There's a load of them. There's about three different ones mm. in that episode. Not that I can remember all of them. That's that's definitely one of them. Yeah. They're talking about um like sub um subspace fields and DVV two and changing times yeah. and things and. Mm. Did you um want to say a couple of the three M's? Um yeah, I've got two different sides, but. I'll... I'll just read from part two because learned from previous years just copy the damn things onto both sides and you can't go wrong yep. <laughs> uh, treasure time you have with friends and family you never know when that time with them will be gone don't interfere with other people's lives you always have a choice teamwork is an important part of life there's something wrong take action all governments lie and, uh, lie and cover things up help can come from the most unlikely places um, so, like Guinan, you can't beat a predestined paradox. There's always another side of the story. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Every decision we make has consequences. Don't give up so easily as solutions to every problem. You can't beat fate and don't jump to collusions. That's all I've got. Yeah. Obviously, mine were kind of the idea of mortality. So, you know, it, 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 I think you know, we find it hard to accept. You know, we all die at some point. How we react to someone. We know we'll die. So dates may die in the cross, find it hard to accept. 
You cannot cheat fate, as data says to Picard. Um, it's important to follow your dreams, and writing about them is a good way to remember them, as I think Clemens says to Jack the Bellboy. And, you know, the episode explores the notion of poverty and technology and the betterment of humanity in the future, as Clemens, as you say, he sees it for himself. Um, so, yeah, Time Zero, I said, good, good, good two-parter, ends season five and starts season six relatively well. Um, and, yeah, I think that bookends us nicely to go in on to the uh, next episode, which is uh, Realm of Fear. The Enterprise locates the starship Yosemite, but Lieutenant Blar- Barkley, assigned to an away, t- away team... Huh? Broccoli. Broccoli. <laughs> I think I almost said that. <laughs> um, reveals his fear of transporting. Beaming back to the Enterprise later, Barkley is sure he sees some kind of creature in the transport beam approach and touch him. I don't uh, get this one. I never have. It's not a bad episode, but it's very... It's quite contradictory. Mixed messages. And I think I think you hit it right on the head, side. The whole thing kind of feels a bit contrived. Um, you know, it's... Barclay kind of having this phobia, you know, and it's just like, you know, he talks to Councillor Troy about it briefly, and then, and then like five seconds later, he's doing the transport. And it's like, okay, then you've just admitted a big fear, something you've kept secret for years, and then within five minutes, you're okay to do it. Right then. And, you know, just, and, and it just like, it occurred to me as I was watching the episode, like, you know, he says he's always avoided transporting before this, but surely he would have had to at the academy at some point, because particularly we actually says in the episode, they had a transporter theory class. So surely you would have had to at some point. I'm just like, really? You avoided it all this time? And we've already been here with another character, but never mind, we're going to do it again for you. We, we had all this with Pulaski, like... Yeah. We've, we've been here, done that, like... Yeah. Move on, like... <laughs> like, we don't even have an instance in that counselling session where you have Troy going, oh, you know what, I did a Neil transport in um, Shinzoid Man. Or, oh, did you know we had a doctor that didn't like transports? Nada. Nothing. Well, do you know, do you know also I found it just... That just made, just it's like, really? Just had to suspend my disbelief. Geordie's, and maybe Geordie said this to Barkley to make him feel better. I don't know. You could maybe get away with it like that. But he says nothing bad has ever happened to him during a transport when Barkley asked him. It's like, did you forget about what happened to you and Roe in the next phase, late season five? What happened yeah, in that? Yeah, that was with a random bit of rumbling tech, though. But yeah, fair it, enough. But... Yeah, I mean, maybe he said it just to make it kind of maybe just lie to him to make but it. But again, that's that's the thing. References don't exist in this episode. No, no. we're just going to talk about this instance. Don't worry about any references from previous experiences. No, 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 no. We'll leave that for another day for another writer. I I struggle with this one. I well, did like it. I did like the special effects of seeing what it's like to transport. I don't think you see them at all. No, the the, the first person view of Barclay. I thought that was really quite cool, actually. Um, and I did write down. I think it does come up in the episode. Do doctors and engineers develop a transporter phobia because they understand the logistics behind the transporter? So that's why you have Plasky. Also, 
Mm? I wonder if there is a big medical issue in Starfleet where a huge wealth of officers actually have transportophobia, but they they are unwilling to admit it. Yeah, because I actually noted down. Um, let's see. Um, let's so find a ba- huge medical pandemic that they just don't know about because it's mm. a, it's a bit like you know like. Uh, pilots saying, "Oh yeah, I saw a UFO." It's that whole thing. It kind of yeah, it happens, but no one's going to kind of and it, it could say be anything. Because it could be, I'll be Barclay says, or if I say something, then my Starfleet career may be over. He actually says that to Deanna, doesn't he? Then Although what's she's... the point of having counselors in Starfleet if no one says, "Oh, actually, I am a bit kind of, I'm, yeah. I am human. I have got issues." Yeah. So it's like, well, why would that? It's, it's a bit. If, if Starfleet is like that in terms of transport phobia, it's a bit backwards thinking. It's like, well, if you've got a problem, something like that, which is, and you know, something like a transporter, which is fundamental to how Starfleet functions and yeah, works. Then, and... then it's just, just, and you know, you have cancers, you know, you come to them for problems, but you can't. It's just a bit of a massive contradiction. There. It's just a very strange episode. It mm. is just a very strange episode that I've always struggled with because it's just so. And I just, it's just, it doesn't quite know what it wants to do the whole yeah. way through. Yeah. And you just sit there going, huh? What? What? Huh? Well, what? you know, I think, I think apart from a little, again, I think apart from Barkley getting another phobia, which kind of feels a little bit like treading over old ground, I just found that at first it was, it starts out of kind of about his fear of transporters, so about his mental health. And then it's about the rescue crew members. So, and then it just feels like his issue is just pushed aside. And I think I actually noted down. I think it would have actually been more interesting if Barclay did actually suffer from transporter psychosis because you've got you've got you know the crux of the episode right there with what he was saying to Deanna. Well, what if Starfleet did find out about it, and you know, and they've got to try and maybe fight for Barclay to keep his Starfleet career or something. I don't know. It just I think there was a whole other idea within that episode that I think would have been much more interesting. But they just they just they pulled I out that they just rushed it because yeah. of time's hour. I think they just rushed it. Yeah. Um But you're you gonna know. find we're probably gonna say that a lot through this. Because you, you just I I don't know, somewhere along the line the writing sort of fell off the cliff during the season. Hmm. Yeah, it did numerous times, unfortunately. But what I will say, there were obviously there were some things I did like about this episode. Um, I thought, obviously, uh, Dwight Schwartz's performance as Barkley, I thought was well acted. So it's, it's him trying to come to terms with his fear. I thought there was a nice bit of uh, character development for Chief O'Brien, as we find that he's been transporter chief for 22 years and has a fear of spiders. And I thought it was nice relating it to the main story of Barkley's fear. I think it was lovely seeing how the crew, so like O'Brien and Geordie, treat Barkley when he tells them he thought he saw something in the transport. They don't berate him or say imagined it, but do a diagnostic on it and, and encourage him to help them. So I think it's kind of they're respectful to kind of Barkley's mental health and well-being. And this is just for me personally, but it kind of it spoke to me, even though it was done, uh, the episode didn't do the best job of it. That it did actually speak to me personally with the idea of facing fears. So, you know, 
obviously like trying new things as you say not just with the podcast but just general life stuff i think we've kind of said this before haven't we so a couple of times um but yeah that's that's what i liked about it uh and literally the messages i got from this i literally there wasn't much at all from this i got everyone has fears and phobias of sync face your fear and the only thing to fear is fear itself that's literally all i got for it in terms of the messages I got six. You got more than me then. <laughs> Go on, what did you get? If you need support doing with something, ask for it. The truth will come out eventually. Yep. Everyone has their own way to get over their fears, similar to what you're saying. If there's something wrong, take action. Safety is paramount. Don't give up so easily. What is it with particularly science ships beaming stuff aboard, trying to talk to it, and it all going kaput? I don't know. <laughs> like, surely, like... Nope, not going to put off the force field. Nope, just going to beam the ward and just... What could go wrong? Yeah. Um, so, right. so um, was there anything else you liked about the episode at all? Any other pluses that you found when you were watching it? No, I've always struggled. Yeah. Like, really, I always have done. I, it's yeah. one that you just sit there going, eh? It's, it's not bad. It's Again, the episode is well-intentioned. I mean, and there's nothing... I think it had, apart from maybe being a bit contrived and pushing the issue aside, it does respect Barclay and they said his his well-being. So I think that that part of it is nice. It's just... I think, unfortunately, this has been dealt with better elsewhere earlier, yes. in earlier seasons. Yeah. Which uh, I think is another thing that you're going to come across in the season. And I think the next episode is another edition of let's, pull, let's poorly write Troy again. Oh God! Oh man of the people! Oh dear! A yeah. transport vessel uh, carrying Ambassador Alcar is attacked en route to mediation sessions. Because why not? When res- uh, when rescued by the Enterprise, uh, what's his name? Alcar. Alcar befriends Troy. Very soon, she begins to feel unusually angry, jealous, and amorous towards Alcar and others on board. Yeah, so it's my effect- God, here we go again. Yeah, so this episode is another edition of well, I say basically Troy acting as sex on Lex. Well, Troy in a toxic relationship. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, it's it's this kind of episode that makes me despair. This show has been at this point; it's been going on for six years, and you've had past episodes where Troy has been written well and you watch something like this and it feels like a huge step backwards and that they haven't learned anything you know it's, it's frustrating because you know Troy can be utilised better than this we've, we've said it even if it's not entirely focused on her she'll have she'll have moments she'll have she'll have scenes where her character is written really well, and this is just unfortunately a case. Just isn't, um, you know. It just she's just being treated as a sex object again. It just makes the whole episode story just feel really icky. And again, it said it's just a reminder of the early days of how Troy and other female characters were kind of treated, particularly I say what in the first couple of seasons. First few it seasons. is pretty much another edition of Devonali Roll from the Price. Yeah, it's just that, that again. And it's just, it just, I just felt it just. I felt un, I just felt uncomfortable watching it. It just. Where's Mediator Reaver? 
Yeah. Where's he? I want him. Should have brought him back. I think that would have been interesting, actually. But he's probably on Solaris 5, but, you know. Yeah. We and, you know. It, well, and the other thing as well, I mean, I think we both kind of picked up on this. Why would negative emotions make Troy want to have sex all the time? Yeah. It's just like, what? So, it just, I'm sorry, I just don't get that. It's just like, yeah, okay then. It's just... There's a few bits that are interesting where they origin from. So the knife is Go reused on. from Darmok. Yeah. Uh, the transport ship is reused from the Hunted. Uh, Troy's yeah. risque dress in Tenford was worn by one of... Um, I can't read my own writing, but... I imagine girls in Unification Part 2. You know, the uh, Fat Frangie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think. And was sold at the It's a Wrap auction for $818.78. Lastly, the Dorian Starship is a Regis of Australia security vessel first seen in the Outrageous O'Connor. That's all the information I have on this episode. Uh, uh, for a bit of trivia I found, because it said you've um, said nice segue, uh, Charles Lucia, who plays a car in this episode, also played Mabus in the season two episode Alliances in Voyager. Oh. Yeah. So he has turned up, well, I say he turned up before, he's turned up later. Uh, you know, you know, I just found the episode, and again, it was just, there wasn't much, very little other films and not much death. And he, depth, and even with the messages there, it doesn't come across well. I said we're just blatant. No, but I would like to say that if you do find yourself in a, a toxic relationship, get yourself out of there. If you think that yeah. that is your life, get yourself out of that situation. Yeah. Go and um, seek help. I, uh, what I will say with the, uh, there were again there were a couple of things I did. Uh, there were a couple of things I did actually like about the episode. I thought our car is a memorably vile villain played excellently said by Charles Lucia and he's come up and at the end he's just really satisfying great performance by Marina Sirtis as she loses control of herself throughout the episode despite her character being terribly written I think she did a decent job with what she got um, and I thought the makeup of Troy Agent throughout was excellent looks very convincing yeah I so, love the scene where she goes back to normal laying on the bio bed and her hair's yeah. all splayed out I think that's a really wonderfully well shot um, sure. Yeah, the messages I got from this episode, were, you know, the the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, but obviously they've kind of put a kind of uh, a kind of really kind of menacing twist on it. You know, um, Picard. Oh well, you know, she's just one person, and you know, having these emotions and being able to be centered helps me to save like hundreds of lives. Um, and emotions are a part of all us, the positive and negative, and we have to live and deal with them. So Picard says, oh, you're just trying to justify what we do because you don't want these negative emotions. That's literally all i got. Oh, i got enough. i got a decent amount. The truth will come out eventually. Get? Honesty is the best policy. Treat people how you'd like to be treated. If they say wrong, take action. Everyone has the good and bad sides of their personality. If you find yourself in a toxic relationship, get out. Get, or get help. Don't lie or manipulate people, like emotional abuse, and don't turn on people who are trying to help you. Uh, don't ob- objectify people. That's all I got, but it's just... 
Yeah, it's just another, and it's just unfortunately, it's just, it has that, am I right in saying this is just kind of blatant sexism? Am I right in saying that, do you think? Mm, or not? pushing it a bit, but yeah, it's just not a very, it's not a, Maybe a, bit, not a great advocate for, I don't know, it's just the way you picked up women and, yep, you're my next subject, so you're like, it's you, uh, yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, maybe, maybe it isn't. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But either way, again, it's just women being just treated as sex objects again. It's just like, oh, just been through this before. Which Can we talk just... about a good one? Yeah, let's move on to the next episode. We've we've said all we can for that, so I think that's. A I good just one. no, just yeah, it's a fun. It's a, like it's a silly episode, and it's Troy being out of character, but. In terms of character-wise and what it's trying to say, it just doesn't work. No, it, because everyone feels... always everyone always makes fun of that episode. But it's just no, just it's it's another very strange Troy episode. Yeah, but you know there is a really uh, there is another really there is actually a really good one of her later in the season, which is just it's great. It, it, it's kind of like well, why did you have to write us so poorly for? Bloody this one, but well, you never mind. Because she wasn't in a uniform at that point, but you know. Yeah. Oh, what you mean her commander's uniform? Mm. No, is it? Is she commander or lieutenant commander at this point? Beg your pardon. Lieutenant. Lieutenant commander. Beg she your pardon. Comes commander in next season, Jamie. Yeah. Beg your pardon. Yeah. Um. So should we go on to the next one? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I I put this one up, and I'm pretty certain you will have. Yep, definitely. I put this up as well. I found loads. I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, am I reading the synopsis for this one? Go on then, Jerry. You go for or, it. Did you, no, did I, you I did the last one. So. Oh, no. Did you do the last one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, while responding to a distress signal, the Enterprise encounters a Dyson Spear. The source of the distress signal, a transport ship, is found crashed into the outside surface of the Spear. An away team recovers a single survivor who turns out to be Montgomery Scott. So much fun in this one. Just... Fantastic episode. Absolutely. I always loved it. It's just, again, I know this is probably a bit of a cliche saying, but it's next gen at its best. It really is. Just everything in this episode just works wonderfully. And, you know, it's not just let's bring back a ferret character from the original series and just have loads of references. They actually have a plot purpose, which I think is just, it's just so cleverly written isn't it yeah so you were gone go go you know <laughs> gush away <laughs> uh the Genoland is a redress of the executive shuttle first seen in uh undiscovered country but it's also seen in generations later it's turned upside down and appears in ds9 as the uss nash uh the transporter pad is reused from the uss yosemite from realm of fear there's three very obvious um, original series references. The green drink is by any other name. Yep. Quarters is Wolf in the Fold. Um, and in the Troyes, there's one in engineering about Naked Time. And yep. Jordy makes a reference back to Galaxy's Child. Yep. Um, the Holodeck TOS Bridge is partly sampled from this side of Paradise. And the View screen recycled from the Mark Gideon. 
Oh, I like the shot of the Enterprise the Escape in the Diocesphere. You know the bit where the officer turns the ship around? I love that shot. Yeah. Um, there's this deleted scene where Troy talks to Scotty in his quarters. Um, where she tries to counsel Scotty very unsuccessfully. And at first, he's very friendly to her, but then uh, realises she's a therapist and gets pissed off, pissed that Jordy thinks he's crazy. Which yeah. sent him to um, ten forward. Mm. So that's the re- that's how reason that happens. Um, I've always loved that original shot where you see the crashed uh, Jalolind on the Dyson Sphere. Mm. That's an incredibly cool shot. Um, was that the one? Yeah, the, the empty bridge is taken primarily from the episode This Side of Paradise because they only built part of the set. They built Captain's share, the front console, and kind of half the back. Yeah. So they had to fill that in with um, a shot from this side of Paradise. Oh, wow. Um, there's a novel about Dyson Sphere, and it also appears in Star Trek Online, and that's everything I've got. But, yeah, I had a, quite a lot of fun with that one. Cause if you know it, you know it. If you don't know it, you wouldn't oh, know yeah. it. But it's, it's so just... much in there. You know, and so for me, like I said, love the Dyson Spear concept that a large hollow spear can be constructed around a star. So it would harness all that radiant energy, which an interior population would have access to. So basically they would have inexhaustible sources of power. And just, I think it's just such a, just such a cool concept. You know, that's explored well. Um, just a really, really cool views in the transport to survive a continuous pattern buffer for 75 years. But I just know, but we shouldn't expect anything less from Scotty. Uh, excellent performances from James Doohan, uh, embodying the warmth, charm and brilliance we remember him so well from TOS. Uh, and he's wants to be useful despite being in an unfamiliar place and unfamiliar time. His acting plays well into the episode's themes, well, some of the episode's themes, including ageism. Uh, interesting themes of ageism and adjusting to complete change are explored well through Scotty's character and interactions with the crew, specifically Geordie and Picard. Uh, lovely scenes and references to TOS, as you say, with, you know, the, the green drink. Um, I also love that Scotty telling stories from his time. Like he says to Geordie, that like, I'm overcompensating to time to do a repair. So when he got it done quick, Kirk would be impressed. Uh, plus the scene of Scotty asking the computer to... Be Kirk did discover that in, I think, one of the films. Did he? Oh, he did? he goes, you know, like, oh, yes, um, it's going to take me two hours. And kind of Kirk goes, oh, have you just simply been doubling? Yeah, <laughs> I think he does, your... it, yeah. I think at some point. So Kirk does cut on after a, for a certain number of years. But, yeah, it's just interesting just to see the different kind of... It's not the cowboy engineering of it all, if you're going to kind of go on what was said about um, Spock, but it's just you know, a different era, different attitudes to kind of life and things. Uh, plus the scene of Scotty asking the computer to show him the Enterprise NCC, well, his, his Enterprise and him being actually on it, and just said, and I said, you know, that just scene with, with, with Picard, just, you know, I just love it. And then, I uh, love that Georgia and Scotty work together and he is instrumental in the solution to saving the Enterprise. Uh, I said, brilliant writing that I said that pays respect to TOS and melds the two series from one generation to the next. And it's not just a nostalgic trip for references, but it actually has relevance to the plot and themes of the episode for us, a, a thoughtful and in-depth character study of Scotty. And I think it's a fitting send-off 
for a Starfleet legend because the end, the, the open ending is great. It's like he's not going to retire yet. He decides not to retire. It's like it ties again into the episode's themes. It just, yeah, it's just uh, an amazing episode. It just works on every level. You know, I, I didn't have any issues with this episode at all. Nothing that I could find. Should we move on to the, the messages? Yeah. Um, so I got, um, just because something's old doesn't mean you throw it away. So obviously Geordi says it's it referring to the old technology on the USS Ganolan, but also Scotty, who could still be useful and is a brilliant Starfleet engineer. He, he and the old warp technology is part of the solution in saving the Enterprise. Uh, no matter your age, you can be useful and do something with your life. Um, adapting to change is never easy. So obviously, Scotty, as I said, find himself unfamiliar place and time and kind of struggling in the 24th century. And, it, you know, it's, you know, just certain scenes like seeing him in his, when he gets to these quarters on the Enterprise and just, uh, and then that ensign who's showing you how to use the replicator leaves and then, you just see him sitting all alone. I just love, I think it's like a long shot of him sitting in the chair and you just see him on like one end of the shot and that big space on the other side in the quarters just it just reinforces that notion of him just feeling so isolated and alone. And it was just really quite sad, you know. It's But it's, yeah, I, I can't sing my praises enough for this episode. I really, really can't. Um... I always said everyone has everyone has value and respect. Treasure time you have with friends around me, you never know when it will be gone. Honestly it's the best policy. Treat people how you like to be treated. The quote the more things change change, the more they stay the same comes to mind. Don't forget your elders and listen to them because they have wisdom. Don't be patronizing. Home is where the heart is. Rules are made to be broken. Age is just a number. I love the way Scotty's going through the kind of like the textbook, engineering textbooks of Geordi, and he's going, "Yep, yeah, yeah, throw it away, like yeah. throw, it in the, throw, uh, throw it in the fire." Like, yeah, I I wrote it, take no notice of it. I just think that's hilarious. It's kind of, you know, oh yes, you can push it more than you think you can. Mm. I, it's just a really great episode where it's just kind of, I don't know, it's just, just works, wholly, and I that you can tell they enjoyed doing it. Because this is the site. This is the start of the Trials and Tribulations Bridge. Because it's the same one they just added to it. Mm. So it's just kind of like it's always. Hmm, how can we always go back to the original series? Is they did it in this one. They did it in um, Trials and Tribulations, and they also did it in in Amira Darkly. Where it's just kind of yeah, we want to take it back to the original series. And you can see the passion through it because it's so. Like, they watched it when they were younger and it's like, how can we kind of give back to that and share our passion for it? Yeah, and as you said, it, it's respectful. I said the episode's respectful to the original series as well. You know, as you say, it's it's just a great embodiment of both, you know, both TOS and TNG and it just melts it together wonderfully. I said, I, I didn't have any problems with this episode at all. I really didn't. And as I said, it, it, it just works every scene just works it just just great pacing just really excellent one just terrific acting so you know and it, it said just even like the concept of the Dyson Spears just really just really well thought through and interesting so yeah um should we go on to the next one 
Schisms. After crew members complain of strange ailments, it becomes apparent an external influence is responsible. Troy investigates and finds that several crew members have complained of symptoms stemming from unsettling dreams. Yeah, this is... Oh, this is a creepy episode. Very... Yeah. Very kind of horror-esque. Uh, but what I will say uh, is... Th- in terms of the messages, there is again, we both struggled with this one, didn't we? Yeah, and... I, I, I did get enough, but yeah, it's. I was just because I was literally sitting there watching it and just thinking to myself, you know, I can't be. I'm, this is just nothing here. What do Solomon's struggling the, whilst he watches this as well? But one thing I did notice, and I, I actually should have said with relic uh, with relics as well. A theme I kind of picked up on throughout some of these episodes was the notion of fear. So obviously, with Barkley, it was fear of transporters. With kind of think Scotty, I think it was kind of the fear of outliving his own usefulness and kind of. And I think obviously this one kind of taps into, you know, its fear of lies of what the aliens were doing and why. So fear of unanswered questions. So there's a kind of there's that thread of fear kind of a concept of fear running throughout some of these episodes but they're exploring kind of different facets of it which I thought was quite interesting so yeah this episode uh, I thought Jonathan Franks' performance was especially was really good especially when he's acting tired and I thought it was quite nice to have the episode focus on him because I don't think he's had a I think he had a main episode for a while um, I thought it was intense and well made and I really thought I really liked the interesting unusual long camera angles that builds up the suspension tension when Riker is taken to the aliens' domain. Uh, and I thought they were really creepy with the clicking sounds and they're kind of set shrouded in mystery. And again, I thought that, that aspect of it, the mystery was set up well with what's going on and that leaves unanswered questions at the end of the episode. So they don't actually find out much, which I thought was really quite cool. Um, and I thought I really quite like the scene on the holodeck as well as the pieces of the mystery are put together. So obviously, can I just can I just point out there's some really strange and funny questions in that scene. Which bit? The holodeck scene. Yeah, gone. Can I just remind you of a couple? Go for it. Yeah. I have written down. We just if you read them out of context, they are just really strange. So there's one in there. Where it's, have you been dreaming about scissors? Like, how's that a question? Like, really? Like. <laughs> Can you remember the shape of the table? Like, okay, um, sure. Like, who dreams about scissors for heaven's sake? Like, I, I just don't get it. Like, well, this this is actually an odd This is actually one of those again another example where Troy is utilised well in this episode when she's helping them to when they come to her about these straight these moments that they've had. And, and can I also talk about the holodecks? fascination with finding the most weirdest objects to start off with hey you want a table we'll make it wood not going no we're gonna like they go through normal table slightly shorter table oh you know what it's a wooden one no it isn't it's metal and it completely changes they could quite easily start off with something completely different I was gonna say because I know they need a, I know the computer needs a frame of reference when when they say, oh, give me a table, but why specifically a wooden table? There must be dozens and dozens in its directory we, of different... We, you know what? We're going to start off with a dining table. <laughs> what? What? Huh? I don't, what? I don't know. Uh, I think it's just one of those things that we just got to kind of 
let it go. But it is, it is, it is interesting that you bring that up, yeah. It's um, to make up a bit of time, to be honest. But it's, I had to yeah. really watch that scene back. Look at the questions, you go, really? Like, but, like, but it's, Troy, not really, it's not kind of well written. Uh, like the way they go through the kind of working out what it is, it's a bit kind of ABC of script writing again. Like maybe, but I, I, I actually think they did a good job with it because it seems quite uh, the way I kind of looked at that scene on the holodeck was. Oh, it's just a bit slow getting into it. Towards the end, yeah, it's great where they're kind of really focusing on it. But at the beginning, you sit there and go, "Oh my god!" Like, yes, we're going to f- sit around for. Couple of minutes dealing with wooden tables. Like, really? Like, really? Like, I, I didn't mind it. I, I think the way I kind of, the way I looked at that scene was, it, it was, it seemed like they had different experiences, which was kind of interesting. Like, oh, what's going on? But it was kind of innocuous. But then when you put it all together, and the puzzle presents itself, it's, it's quite horrifying. It's like, oh my god, what the heck is going on? So I didn't mind that scene. I think it was fine. But. But yeah, I think Troy again is utilised actually well. I mean, I know she's not the main focus, but the scenes she had, she does her job well. And wasn't she wearing a commander's uniform for this? Sorry, no. lieutenant commander's uniform for this one? Nope. She wasn't? No, it won't. It will only happen after chain command. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so, oh, let's see. So, Do you want me yeah. to say some trivia, Jamie? Yeah, go for it, yeah. The superconductor magnet model... Three first scene in the Delphine is uh, being used by Sologen-based aliens experiments. Uh, late scene in Conundrum and Prime Factors of Voyager. Um, I did mention this to Jamie, I think, quite a while ago. And they do get featured in Sutrical Line where they're named the Solene. Oh, what, the, the, the clicking aliens? The aliens, yeah. What I don't get is why was Riker being abducted before the changes were made to the deflector? How does that work? Like, to be honest, that's not really something I picked up on, but fair enough. It's an interesting um, point. I never realised that there were visible screws on the com console when Riker teaches Ensign Rager some spacey stuff. Um, and I also said it's Jamie. I also think the a portal is used by the Sonalay are later used in Equinox and Time and Again. Yeah. I think it's the, think it's the same effect. It, it would make sense if they reuse shots and sets, then why not reuse the same effects? So it makes a lot. It would make sense. So and what I did you... it's, I th- And the last thing is I love the effect of the Sony probe nudges, uh, like, bud, um, nudges a storage container. Before it leaves the ship, I think that's a really mm. clever effect. But I, I always love those kind of physical effects. But overall, you you like this episode, then overall. I like it. You're right. It is a bit creepy. It's not on the same levels as um, Night Terrors, but no. yeah, it's a kind of yeah, it's got a kind of Halloween written all over it. Mm. Um, I see some of the shiver I've got. So Data does a poetry reading memory to his cat Spot, Odie to Spot, and I just I think that whole sequence was just hilarious. Just just everyone just they think it's over they're about to get up and then he starts speaking again <laughs> and his reference in a few episodes time in um it's philodatus yeah um ken forley returns as mr mott and beverly saying Riker is getting like a rem sleep i think is a callback to as you said you mentioned episode earlier 
uh, second ago night terrors so um kind of pushing it with that one but yeah sure yeah, i think it is it's, i'd always said maybe it's not a, a direct reference no it's just the kind of fact of you're not sleeping yeah <laughs> well I, I still think it is but whether it was intentional or not on the part of the riots, who knows? We'll have to, have to ask them. Um, so, literally, I mean, the three M's I've got, I said, I said about fear. Uh, it's a fear of what the aliens were doing and why. It's a fear of the unknown. Um, an artist needs honest feedback in order to grow. So, that is yeah, I got that. I got that. Yeah. When he's asked about what he thought of his poetry readings. And, well, getting sleep is important. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of writes itself as right I feels tired or on edge throughout the episode so yeah that's I kind of went down a different but similar route gone what so I find? also got the always give constructive criticism with kind of the, the um, data thing uh, honestly it's the best policy don't abduct people because why not treat people how you like to be treated don't take shortcuts because that caused the whole bloody damn problem if you um, want to find out about someone, ask them. If there's something wrong, take action. Every decision you make has consequences. And this is my slightly different route, but it makes sense. Everyone experiences PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Because that's what that whole holiday thing was about. Mm. Them trying to deal with the kind of traumatic experience and trying to go, oh God, what happened to us? And trying to try, trying to help them yeah it's again it said it's her you being utilized well as a counselor so mm. so it's yeah it's an interesting episode just not for me no I, I, again i've always i've always quite liked it. i think it's a i think it's a I've solid preferred episode it over a realm of fear i've always preferred it over that oh yeah definitely yeah uh it's a solid episode um but again, it's just it's... a typical next gen episode. Just kind of, we're just gonna have a bit of fun with you all. Just kind of, yeah. It, it, in terms of the frames, there's not really much there. But overall... I'm not gonna tell you anything about any of these people. But carry on. Like, yeah, but it's say anything about these aliens. Yeah, but I think in a way that, in a way that's kind of, it's it's a good thing. I think it's like you, you got that open ended question of what, what what exactly were they doing? What exactly were they after? So. Again, you know, back back in I said the old days, but back in the early days, I would have gone, "Oh, we don't find out anything. This is terrible." But a bit of mystery in these days is not always a bad thing, is it? Uh, should we move on to next one? Yeah, which I actually put up. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I didn't... think this is this is the one that I think I put up because it's like me and Jamie spoke on the phone about this before, and I sort of said, "Oh yeah, I put one of the jovial ones through," and I couldn't quite remember which one. It's this one. Oh, fair enough. But no, not at all. I mean, I I didn't personally, but I, again, this is an episode I, I, before I, I wasn't that bothered by. It, but it's it's actually it is a really really good one. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of subtle trivia in there. If you again, it it's obvious, but if you pick up on it, it's really quite a clever way they've knitted it into the story. Mm. But I'll get into that because I don't think you picked up on it, but you might have done. I picked up on it and went, oh my god, that's quite a clever trick you've done there. Oh, I'll find out more in a minute. So, true cue. Um, intern Amanda Rogers is transferred to the Enterprise when an accident occurs in engineering which almost forces Geordie to blow the warp core, but Amanda reverses the catastrophe. Shortly afterward, Q arrives and informs the crew that Amanda is a Q in training. So, obviously, this is obviously the first, this has been the first appearance of 
John Delazzi coming back as Q this season. And I think they kind of wanted to make up for it with two episodes for him because he wasn't in last season, was he? No. no. Um, yeah, again, this is a really, really good episode. Before I was kind of a bit... I just I was kind of a bit meh towards it. It's like it, it's it's here, it happened, but it's actually a really really good episode. It's very well written, and I, I think again Amanda Rogers is one of those one episode kind of characters who, you know, in the short space of time they had, actually makes you care about her, and you know, would have been interesting to see her again. So. I, I loved. I love this. I thought this scene was adorable, where the dogs turn up in her quarters as she wishes for them, and despite not wanting to, has to kind of send them away, which was kind of just a bit sad. Well, I think uh, the puppies are in there because it. Um, oh well, there's also a deleted scene who also, also plays into it. Gone. Where she's discussing it with Troy, she discusses her dreams of living a normal life after the incident with Riker. She also looks after a crew member's dog while they're away. But I also think it works into the bit of trivia that I think I've thought up. Go on. Well, how, what is Amanda Rogers' birthplace? Where is it? It's Earth, isn't it? Earth in particular... What, what um, state? Uh, oh, I can't remember off the top of my head, so I don't think I noted that down. It's Kansas. And if you're any kind of film buff, that should kind of... Oh, yeah. I think it's a Wizard of Oz reference. Yeah. Because it's the Toto, I've got a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. That's that's the feeling I've got with it. And then I realised that it completely changes the kind of feel of this episode. Because, you know, so that that actually scene, that actual scene of what she's wishing for, is not just around, oh, they're cute puppies, it actually plays... I, I I think it kind of works into it a little bit. I know it's not kind of... It does no. It plays in tire, uh, I think, but it, it, I just think it's an interesting it way plays, of doing it. Yeah, it, it plays into who she is as a person, her character development. So yeah, I can see that. Well, oh, I thought it was nice. I thought it was a nice kind of linking Wesley's father's fate to the main story of Amanda, as she too lost her parents at a young age. I just thought that was a, a just a really interesting contrast. Um, intriguing idea. I think let's explore well that human can be a cue. Uh, again, great performances from John Delancey as Q and Olivia Abo as Amanda Rogers. I think I've pronounced her name right. Again, I've already said this. Uh, well-written episode with her character, given depth and who you care about. Um, like that Beverly becomes a sort of role model for Amanda Rogers, giving her advice throughout. Oh, sur- surrogate mother. Surrogate mother. On the phone as well. Um, refreshing coming across a member of the Q continuum who uses her powers for good and what I like also about this is the fact that she's kind of on that transitional threshold between kind of, um, you know, being kind of a teenager, kind of, in her later years. So, you know, like, for example, kind of, you know, uh, she gets across from Riker, doesn't she? Um, but also at the same time, she is kind of grown. She's becoming something more. So it's kind of, do you, do you see what, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but I just, it was really just, it was just such a good episode. And I think the way kind of Reich handled it was kind of very respectful and mature of him, kind of. I mean, you know, he said, I'm flattered that you like me, but I think he, you know, I think he, he dealt with the situation admirably. Like he was trying to let her down gently. 
but you know at the same time kind of you know you can't you can't just adapt people like that you just you know you can't be like that so i just thought yeah i just oh yeah i said i think it's just a very good episode it just works quite nicely um one thing i one thing i did find i didn't like and again i think it's just just due to time constraints of the episode but i just found it a bit hard to swallow the notion that amanda wouldn't be angry when she finds out that the q continuum murdered her biological parents and that she would kind of join them so quickly at the end based on that fact but again i think it's the fact that you have time constraints in the episode so but but apart from that that, that it didn't bother me all that much but apart from that i thought it was a great episode what about you, Si? What did you like about it? Um, I would like to have seen Amanda in Voyager. I think it would have had an interesting twist on the, how the cure are encountered, but the problem with that is you're introducing someone that may, people may not know from Next Gen. Mm. But she does appear in Q Conflicts, the graphic novel, which I'd recommend. I think she also appears in... I believe she does appear in one of the Kirsten Bauer Voyager books as well when um, when they're going to bring back Janeway I believe she I believe she plays a part in that as well if I remember I'm not 100% sure but I'm pretty sure she is as well there's a bit of a weird thing with Q where he dismisses the notion of having children not knowing what's going to happen in a few years time yeah I, I can't, I've noticed that as well thought that was interesting yeah I love the visualization, oh god, visualization of the suggestion of the Q in episode where they're in a shadow. I think that's really cleverly done. Um, oh yeah, oh that's where it comes from. It's it's the suggestion of the visualization of the Q in this episode is the basis where it is in Voyager. You know where it's kind of oh I'll show you what the Q's like. There's a kind of whiff of that in there. Mm. So that's quite interesting. Oh, that's everything I've got. I, I do like the episode and I have put it through. It's just that, you know, it's that bit where you just work out, oh, this is a Wizard of Oz kind of play of... Like, hmm, that's quite cool. So it just... it's just the kind of thing of... As I say later on, I think it's an like untapped potential. You never quite know mm. what's going to happen, what's going to... And there's also a very subtle one about global warming. Very subtle, because it's so brief and you miss it, because it's the bullet B plot line, but it's there. Is it, is it Beverly's experiment? No, it's the planet. Welcome to planet as- asthma. Uh, you've even... Sorry. Huh? Sorry, can you say that again, sorry? It's, you know, planet asthma. Like, yeah. you know, the B, B storyline. I mean, yeah, again, so you've even got, as you said, you've even got the concept of global warming tucked in there. So there's, that's what I mean. There's, there's, good, there's a good mixture of uh, messages in this episode. So I've got, um, with great power comes great responsibility. So Amanda uses her powers to help people, like saving Riker from the container falling on his head and stopping the war core bridge. Everyone has the right to make their own choices about their future. So as Picard tells Q that, Amanda has the right to choose whether she wants to be a Q or study at the Academy. Um, your choices are important, not just determining your future, but also who you become. So Amanda chooses to join Q and using her powers for good. Uh, role models are important to have in life and they can help and influence who you become. So Q and, and Beverly being, as you said, kind of like a surrogate mother for Amanda. 
playing a, a deep design fantasy does not always live up to expectations. So Riker, so Amanda has a crush on obviously Riker and putting quotations makes him fall in love with her, but she stops it as it feels wrong and isn't real. As Riker says to her, you can't snatch people, put them in your, into your fantasies and expect them to respond. Um, and the last thing I've got is having a power to do anything and everything does not always result in a quick fix. So Amanda finishes Beverly's experiment quickly for her, but it ruins the result and then she'll have to start over. So, yeah, so, um, that's kind of what I got. What did you what were your, What did you find in the episode? I found plenty. Truth will come out eventually. You always have, have a choice. Anything is possible if you put your mind to it. Don't abduct people. That seems to be quite a big thing this season. <laughs> Treat people how you'd like to be treated. Help can come from most unlikely places. Don't take shortcuts. Global warming is bad. Don't pollute the planet. Every decision you make has consequences. Everyone has untapped potential, as I said earlier. Seize the moment. The world is a racer, and don't manipulate people. Yeah, well, that deficit definitely applies to, I think, Riker, doesn't it, that last one? Yeah, so, overall, I think I think it's a very good episode. It's not a contender for me, but I can definitely understand and see why you would put that up. Uh, next one. Rascals. Um, a shuttlecraft carrying Bihar, Guinan, Ro, and Keiko collides with an energy disturbance. They arrive as children, though their minds are unaffected. Things get worse when Enterprise is attacked by two Klingons ships, which have been taken over by the Frangie, because why not? <laughs> yeah, this is an episode both of us, I think particularly you, have watched to death, hasn't it? I enjoy Rascals. I think it's a it's a very very silly episode, and if you don't think about the plot it's, too closely, it's, it's fun. fun. Just too fun. Yeah, and it, I think it also maybe right wrote it down here. It is kind of like um, the TAS episode. Whatever the hell that's called, which I completely forgot my mind. It's that again. You talk about the counterclock incident. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. As you said, it's it's fun, and you're seeing that kind of Picard, Keiko, Garn, and Rose, John Albert, and the Ferengi. Um, uh, numerous funny moments, like Riker pretending Picard is his son in front of the Ferengi. He's my number one dad, or him having a retention. I want to see my father. And then uh, Riker, I put in quotations, teaching the Ferengi how to unlock the main computer, treating it as a very complicated process with lots of techno babble to keep him distracted. That just, just cracked me up. Um, great performance from all the child actors in this episode. And, you know, I know the Ferengi are kind of treated as kind of, uh, you know, silly in this episode. But I think in a weird kind of way, it kind of fits well with the plot in a weird sort of way, I think. Well, so yeah, I... they have to be taken out by kids. So you kind of have to have the world's stupidest Fringy, otherwise it wouldn't work. Yeah, so it, it does kind of work with the episode. Um, some of the some of the things are kind of uh, just a couple of things about it. I'll just like a bit off off with it. Again, if you think about the episode too much, the plot doesn't really make much sense. So you've got to kind of, and I think you need to be kind of in the right frame of mind to watch it because I think you said this to me. You kind of lose this novelty after watching it so many times, and also just. It's just a thing that just I picked up. I just the way they see the transformation is a problem to fix. So, well, well they become children. It's a secret to immortality. It's like, well, you know, they get to live their lives out again. How many? How often do you get to do that? And it's like, I could, I could see why they would see it as a problem. But it's like, you know, 
that's all they see as you know there are potential advantages to this you know so i just i thought well, they just just see it as a big problem so we we'll can't look at it from another point of view maybe well they are losing out on like three officers yeah. able officers and they've got children instead that well, can't do anything well I, in a way i have to argue against that yes technically Okay, and maybe that would have changed over time, but their their knowledge and experiences remain intact. I mean, maybe it was something that would have affected them that down the line. We don't know for sure because I said it; they 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 sort it out by the end of the episode. No, they do infer that if they let them grow, they would just grow normally. But it's yeah. Some of the messages I got from this was you only get one. I chance haven't to... done any. Hang on a minute, I haven't done any trivia or anything, Jamie. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Gone. Sorry, didn't mean to. I'm sorry, I'm just in full steam ahead mode at the moment. <laughs> I'm in the zone. Sorry, mate. Go ahead. Which Everything is... on Bird of Prey shot is taken from stock footage, so episodes that affect TSA's Enterprise and Redemption Part 1. Uh, I'm going to go back to that one because it's a hard one to say. Cause I, I did my... I did enough... Well, I did research for it. and uh, this, is, this is interesting. This plays into what you're saying in Time's Arrow. This is O'Brien's last appearance in Next Gen. Yeah, as you say, I just found that weird. It's like, well, the famous says meant to be at the time of times are, then surely he's, him and Kaker should have already left the ship. So they leave in after this one, whatever that means. Well, oddly enough, I always thought him... I at, Before before you told me, I always thought he was doing Birthright, because I stop off at DS9 anyway, but, you know... But go on, yeah. um, the events of this episode are later referenced by Odo in Bar Association when they're discussing security breaches on Enterprise. Yep. Um, why are the writers of season six episodes so focused on using the transporter as a plot device? Well, the fear of relics, second chances. Yeah, it does happen. Actually, now you bring that up, that's actually a very good point. I think that Molly O'Brien sounds like the empty child from Doctor Who. Where it's like, I want my mummy. Effectively, <laughs> it's a rewritten story of unnatural selection from season two, using adult DNA to restore the crew members normal. Yeah, again, it's one of those, as you said to me, you get a script, you change a few things around, and voila, you've got a different episode, yeah. It's not a great sign when your chief security wolf can't hit a friendly boarding party. <laughs> I said that to Jamie on the phone and I got the same response. Yeah, just... Uh, you're right, though. You're absolutely right, yeah. Um, uh, and as, as Jamie said at the beginning, uh, great, fantastic child actors. And I love the way they u- utilise Alexander. Yes. And the one that I skipped, because it's a fun one, but my God, it's the world's long- longest and the hardest name. A reef triggerfish, Hawaiian name that goes on forever... Um or hum hamu hum hamu hamu fish for short because I'm not going to say the longer one because that no, I'm already confused. So best to yeah, it's gone. Um, serves as the interface for the classrooms computers. Uh, another thing I could not work out for the life of me. <laughs> so you've got you know the bit where they, where Guinan goes okay computer show me a map of the Enterprise and it goes into detail of here's your classroom. On that map, why the hell would you tell the kids, hey, here you go, here's Jeffrey's tube? <laughs> well, that if 
they're on the Enterprise, I need to know, they need to know way, the way around the ship. They do, right? but it's just like, hey, do you want to get out of class? Well, go through that thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah it's it's like, like leaving the door open. Well, well but, maybe. Yeah, it, but yeah, look up the name of the Humu Humu fish on Google and try and pronounce that name. The, the, like the long name. Because my god, that goes on. That's a bit like um, the world's longest place name in Wales that I'm not going to even pronounce. But yeah, look that up because you'll have fun, as well, I did. Well, it, maybe, maybe they. What you're going back to saying about the Jeffries tube, maybe in the classroom, maybe it's a way of kind of well, if I can't get out the main doors in emergency, it is. It's just kind of an emergency thing, but it is a bit like yeah. Here's a way to get out of the class. You don't have to go to class ever again. I could just escape through this way. Thank you. Yeah, I know what you mean. Or yeah. it, I think possibly, I think the probably real reason is it's a kind of plot device of here, you can escape like here, bro, and going in. And um, Alexander. No, because he doesn't. I think he walks out the door every time. I think. I'm oh, he to does, think yeah. Of, um, Keiko. I think Keiko mm. uses it. I think that's why it's in there, just for the simple sake of here. So there's no questions. Here it is in a map. Stop asking questions, audience. It's there. Get on with it. Yeah. Because if it's not there, it's kind of, oh, well, why isn't that on that graphic? Why isn't it on this thing? Mm. Whereas if you put it on the damn school computers, it's written right there for you and you don't have to spend exposition on it. It's yeah. in, in, you know, the audience can see it yeah. and there's no doubt of what's happening, where they're going, what they're doing. Blah, 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 yeah, blah. as you say, it's a way of, as you said, keeping that time constraint for the episode, isn't it? So, yeah, look up the fish, because the fish is a name and a half, and you'll spend a good few minutes chuckling about it, because it's, it's a mouthful. Mm. And I'm not going to attempt it, because... No. No. Just I'll, simply I'll, no. Just That's why I went for the <laughs> humu, humu fish, because I can say that. That's just sound pretty good anyway. It has a nice... That has a ring to it, humu, humu fish. But it's, it's just... A, it's fun. I've mm. just seen it far, 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 yeah. far, far too many times. Yeah. And, and these days I kind of don't watch it any longer because I have done. I I said this with Jamie a few years ago and he couldn't quite get it. But I think now he kind of does his few years on and it's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. It's a fun episode, but with Star Trek, you can have just too much fun with it. Yeah, you 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 need um i think i mean this episode i think is needed just this season substance I mean, uh, but the super thing is this has got substance in it it's just yeah it's I, just the, a very the silly, a yeah. plot line is just too ludicrous that yeah you kind of can't take it seriously like again no. the whole wolf thing getting taken out by fringy and this ship being taken out by two birds of prey like really like the flagship being taken out by two now not even three like it's just no, no. That, this shouldn't be a thing at all. Like, well, you know, um, some of the trivia I got for this episode um, was the late uh, Leonard Nimoy's son Adam Nimoy directed this one. Also, David Birkin, uh, who played the young Picard in this, also played Picard's nephew in the season four episode Family. Guinan states her father is seven hundred years old. Uh, Hannah Hattai Hannah begins her role as Molly, the daughter of Mars and Keiko. 
uh, who obviously would reprise her role in DS9, as you Jamie. said, last pick. Yep. Sorry, sorry to cut in there. I love your trivia about Guinan's father's very old. That's kind of Trek core level of trivia there. Yeah. You look at the Trek core trivia, and it's like this thing happened. Yeah, I know. I watched it. Like, <laughs> and you and you saying kind of oh, father's old. It's like, yeah, okay. Um, it's a thing. Like we like we don't meet him. Like okay, okay. like. Carry on, Jamie. It's just it's just something funny. Like yeah, he's old. Yeah, um, Guinan's old, but you know, like. Well, this this episode, I think, I think. Um, let's see. Uh, Sorry, Jamie. I just, no, you're I was fine. Just a bit thrown by that, just so. I think. Uh, so the the messages I got from it was, um, you only get one chance to grow up and have one childhood. Make the most of it. So as Troy says to Picard, you get to do something that only most people would dream of. Families and children are very important, as Riker says to the Ferengi. We all have a big kid inside of us, the notion of nostalgia. So Roe wanting to remain a child for a bit longer at the end. And yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got for it. It's... I found more. I'm sure you did. Go on. Um, YOLO. Find? I always got to pull out the yellow every so often. You only live once. Treasure time you have with friends and family. You never know when it will be gone. Uh, people deserve a second chance. Everyone's a child at heart. Yeah. No one truly grows up. Age is just a number. Don't drop your guard and be aware. Hell can come in the most unlikeliest places, so this, this time it's children. Yeah, in this case, it definitely does come from the most unlikely places, yeah. Um, protect your technology, and this time it's security. This is one of my favourite, I think, I've written in a long while. Transporters are the problem of and solution to transporter accidents. Yeah. Because why not? Don't un- underestimate anyone, and again, in this case, it's children. Children are cleverer than you think, and that's leave that one for sure. Don't walk blindly into an obvious trap. I, I kind of this becomes a bit of a theme as we go on later on. Mm. Don't walk into an obvious trap. Because <laughs> my god, they managed to do it later on. Like <laughs> it's a fun one, and there's lots in it. Just nah, nah. seen too many times for my liking, and I can never get over the kind of you always loved the bit with um, the Frenkie and. Uh, Riker talking about the computer that's one scene you always love yeah yeah I just can't get over the fact that it's you know the ship is captured by two clone birds of prey and Wolf can't hit anything for anything like just no just (laughs) I mean yeah yeah, yeah. I mean maybe maybe it's we're kind of used to seeing like the main cast and crew do so well in situations like that but I don't know it does seem a bit Weird six seasons in, like, we'll can't hit the Ferengis. Like, his chief of security is a Klingon, but you know, whatever. But hey, for the needs of the episode, I, I, I get it. But it, it, as you say, it's a little bit like what, huh? Next episode. Uh, I struggled with this one. Yeah, I, I think, you know, this is something I think we'll discuss in a minute. But me, we, we, again, me and Simon had a really interesting and in depth discussion about the placement of these two episodes. Um, where yeah, we, actually... we basically said it's fun followed by fun, where it's just like, couldn't you have moved one of them at least? Like, yeah. Somewhere else later on in the season? Because, my God, you need it later on. Oh, yeah, definitely. And actually, I think, I, I actually, I think, I'm not sure if we said this, but I actually thought of a place we could, you could actually put it. And given kind of the actual episode, which we'll get on to later, I think, my God, I think it was needed. 
but um, yeah, so I'm uh, assuming in this after episode, like frame of mind, somewhere yeah, around that neck of the woods, somewhere on that neck of the woods, definitely. Yeah, Wolf joins Alexander. Wolf joins Alexander him. Okay, that makes no sense, Trek Corbett. Wolf joins Alexander for a Wild West adventure on a holodeck with Troy. Meanwhile, Data and Geordie experience a malfunction during a test of Data's ability to interface with the ship's main computer. Yeah, which kind of follows on from what happened in Disaster, because Season 6 the Next Gen is, hey, do you remember when this happened? Mm. Fundamentally, and you realise that I haven't at any point in this spoken about, because they don't exist in this season at all, pretty much, there is no uh, impact at all in any of these episodes. So there's no... I will have no references throughout, and we're what, eight episodes in, and I have made no effort no. to say this led to this thing, because they didn't happen last year, they didn't happen this year, and I'm pretty certain they won't happen next year. No. So it's kind of, hey, do you remember when this happened? If you're a fan, you'll get it. If not, have fun rewatching it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm not going I won't be saying it. If no. you're expecting me to at some point go, hey, this will impact this thing, no. you're gonna be waiting for quite a while. You, you get you get impact you, there are some episodes where you get past impact. Yeah, they are very small and tenuous and this yeah. sort of season you got emotion ships and you got this thing and just not really worth mentioning because they're kind of yeah. obvious and aren't that big. So I just thought, no, not gonna happen. No. Um, yeah, Fist for that is again, uh, I actually really quite enjoyed this episode. It's set in a Wild West setting, which I love. I absolutely love, again, because I think I've said this before, but it's a certain game I've, I've played, which is kind of set in the Wild West, and that just, and since then I've become quite fond of Westerns. Oh, Jamie, mention it. Uh, it's a game called Red Dead Redemption, uh, which is, well, it's on the 360, the first one, then the PS4. I think no, it's, it's across all consoles. I think in the, the second game as well, and since then I've just loved the kind of whole Wild West kind of theme. So this episode just plays right into that really nicely. So I I was really quite I grew quite fond of this episode. Um, so you know just done well with the costumes, the look, the look, the music, and the situations of a bar fight, and of course obviously a typical Wild West duel between Wolf and I say Data near the end. I thought it was nice to see the crew enjoying some downtime, pursuing other interests. So, like Picard playing his flute, Beverly organising a play, etc. Because it just doesn't happen very often. Uh, I thought it was lovely to see Wolf and Alexander, so father and son, spending some time together. I thought it was some nice character development with Troy that she likes Western stories. Yeah, as a far- I used also to- put, I also put that down, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, used to read some to her when she was little, and she helps out Wolf and Alexander. I think she's actually really cool in this episode. And I thought Brent Spiner's multifaceted performance as himself, the gunslinger, um, and his father, Frank Hollander, and as Annie from the Salon at the end was... Yeah, it's, as I put down, it's a great showcase for his acting, a bit like yeah. what he does later on in Masks. It's, yeah. yeah, it's 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 not much you can really say about this one, because it is just kind of holiday going wrong, and so yeah. bad it with a bit of great acting by... Um, Brent Spiner. Michael Dorn and Brent oh, yeah, Spiner yeah. and Janet and um, Bruno Sirtis. That's about it. So you've only got three people you can really talk about. The rest of them are kind of there, but it was directed by Patrick Stewart, which is why they got rid of him fairly uh, quite early on in the um, episode. episode. Mm. Uh, all right. So, um, what did you uh, what did you get for trivia for this episode? <laughs> I've pretty much done it. 
Oh, fair enough. So... The only thing I can really say again is the fact that it's a call back to schisms with Data's play again with this yeah. poem. But yeah. beyond that, I've got nothing. I came up with four points and you said about three of them. So I kind of got the same. Yeah. Um, and just literally... three M's I came up with about four. Gone, what did you get? Treasure the time you have with friends and family. No one truly grows up. Age is just a number. Help can come from the most unlikely places. Troy this time. Everyone deserves time off to relax. And you have to be ingenuitive. It's about the only new thing I can come up with. That That's it. It's, it's a hard bit going wrong episode for Pete's sake. Like... <laughs> Not the first time. It won't be the last time. Um... I kind of got similar, just and also just data is not just another computer, as Jordy says to him when connecting his systems to the computer to test him out as using them as a backup. The value of all life forms, no matter what they look like, and some of the other trivia I got just again referenced. You said it already. Beta's poetry. Picard plays his rescue flute from the inner light, and Jordy, well, Jordy is growing another beard. Oh, and Barclay's mentioned in this episode as well. So that's it. That's literally. Um, in terms of stuff I didn't like, well, as I said, not much with the three M's. And again, I think kind of said this, the placement of this episode is a bit jarring. As I said, I think either this one or the Rascals would have been better put later in the season. But yeah, it's a nice fun episode. Um, but there's not really much to it. Uh, next one. Yeah, this is another one where it's kind of, do you remember when this happened? Oh, we're going to redo it. Yeah. Uh... Uh, the quality of life. The Enterprise arrives at Tyrus 7A to observe a new method of mining, the Pascal Fountain. Dr. Farallon, head of the project, introduced her innovation, a small repair droid called Nexcom. They soon have... God, I can't talk today. I've um, that Xcoms are living beings with intelligence. Um, yeah, so did you put this episode up? No. No, because no, it's, it's, it's Measure of a Man, Volume 2. Yeah, again, it's kind of retreading overall ground with kind of Measure of a Man, the offspring, and even Evolution with the Nanites. It's just, although I think this episode does it better, but it, it, again, it's just a bit samey. I think it does um, show good character development for Data as he becomes an advocate for the episode comp, like Picard was for Data in Measure of a Man. And I like... Uh, as because this data is the most human decision you have ever made. I like the pat particle fountain as a concept, particularly in relation to the mining. I thought the the, the, the life forms, the exocomp life forms, I thought was an interesting design for them. Uh, just take great performances from Brent Spiner from Guests of the Week and Ellen Breyer's Doctor Far- Farallon. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Great episode, a great three M's in this episode that is explored well and in depth. And I loved, I loved the discussion about beards at the start as Beverly Wolf, Geordie and Riker play poker, uh, particularly with reference to Geordie starting to grow on from the last episode. And I think they don't they make a bet or something like if Beverly ah. wins, is it that one? Well, there's a bit of trivia in that. Levar Burton regrew his beard as he needed it for his wedding. That's why that's a whole thing at the beginning. Oh beginning really? Oh season. okay. Yeah, yeah okay. And as I said to Jamie on the phone, I have a theory why the Pascal Fountain wasn't working. Oh, yeah. This is I an interesting theory and very plausible. I think that the XCOMs were sabotaging the Pascal Fountain due to their treatment. 
which is why it was failing not to get up to its um, targets. Yeah, because I think I think they had like a whole host of problems with the project, hadn't they? And it's just like, well, you know, I mean, it does happen. Bad stuff, bad luck can happen, but it's just considering kind of the timing and the exocomps and them growing as an intelligence, it's just that the timing is just, I think, a bit too coincidental. I mean, we could be wrong, but it does I make sense. So. It? I think that will be them kind of, let's sabotage yes. this, you know, kind of, until she realises what's going on. It is kind of similar to what happened in Evolution. I never could have thought of it until you said so. Mm. But it is that whole kind of thing of, fine, well, we're going to sabotage this thing and hope... It's just a bit of luck that Enterprise arrives and kind of goes, wait a minute, this is what's going on. I'm surprised they didn't go, oh, you know what? They didn't put the two dots together, but at least they came up with the same collusion. It's like, oh, well, you know, oh, they are alive. Um, Exocom prop gets reused in Enterprise in Dead Stop as the medical device and yeah. Future Tense. Um, and there's a picture of it seen in... Anomaly, as it's uses Xindi Pro uh, debris. Hmm. Um, oh, this is what I this is what I thought was funny. The Tyrus Seven um, A Pascal Fountain has a surprisingly amount of rocks when it it's damaged. It's like, how, how many? Like that's an awful lot of amount of rocks for a new facility. Um, and the. Uh, the core was later modified and seen again as a rumbling warp core engine in Timescape. That's all the trivia I got. I didn't really get any trivia really for this episode, uh, apart from the beard reference. <laughs> but I've already said that. Um, Did you also get the reference that um, the Pascal Fountain is around Tyrus 7A from um, Trek Core? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So the uh, the messages I got from it, uh, the definition of life and what it means is complex. As Beverly says, it's our, it's our struggle to understand the definition of life that defines our own place in the universe. Um, it's wrong to use intelligent life forms to act as laborers. They are not slaves. They deserve, hence the title of the episode, they deserve a quality of life where they have the right to choose for themselves. Uh, the benefits of new technologies that can help make our life easier. So the particle fountain in making mining easier you cannot justify sacrificing one life form for another belief in intuition is strong and it can inform our choices and decisions that we make as data says to Riker when he shuts down the transporters to protect the exocomps as he, as he believes that our life forms are not just at all and I, I love this one beards have different meanings for a Klingon it symbolizes courage and Riker says it can be a sign of strength it defines character so I know that's just a really really trivial thing but i just that i just thought that was interesting so yeah so that's that's really all i got for that um yeah overall i think it's said to say we both think it's a really good episode but it's not a contender is it i haven't said my ones you haven't have you sorry <laughs> i don't know what's wrong with me today oh dear lack of sleep as beverly would say to Riker from schisms lack of sleep is making you forget things and Go on, Sai, sorry. <laughs> you always have a choice. Teamwork is an important part of life. Everyone has value and respect. Needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. No life is more valuable than another one. Health can cover the most unlikely places, say XCOMs. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. 
Silent majority need an advocate, a voice. New technology is fraught with problems. Everyone deserves some time off to relax. Always seek permission. And choice is an important part of life. So that's everything I got. Yeah, we we both like the episode, but it's not one of our favourites, is it? Go and rewatch Measure of a Man. Yeah, that one's kind of as you, as you say. This is this is a great one, and I think it does further Data's character development. But as you say, it is it is pretty much just Measure of a Man 2.0, isn't it? Next episode, uh, our uh, no, well, our first of two mid kind of season for, uh, two parters, isn't it? Chain of Command, um, part one. So I'll read this out first, then part two. Uh, so Picard, Crusher and Wolf get ready for an undercover mission into Cardassian space. Picard tells Wolf and Crusher that the Cardassians may be perfecting a nearly invis- invisible new form of biological warfare. And part two, under, interrogate, un- under interrogation by Gold Madrid, Picard is tortured in the Cardassians' attempt to find out more about the defences of Minas Corva, a planet once sought by the Cardassians in their war with the Federation. Uh, this for me is going straight up as a uh, episode contender, favorite episode contender, straight away. Just oh my god, the amount of things I wrote down for this for part one and two, just yeah, there's an awful lot here. You you didn't put this up, did you, Sai? No. No. Which I know will probably be heresy in some quarters, but I like it. Just. It- Never be again. Never quite be my style. I don't like um, Jericho. I never have. So with an episode with Jericho in it, no, not gonna happen. Yeah, this this is actually something that is very, very interesting because again, we did have a discussion about this, but we kind of come at Jericho from different viewpoints. I, I don't <laughs> love the guy, but I understand him more, and I. And I think with the whole situation as it was, I think the crew, I think there needed to be a bit more leeway between both parties. I think the crew could have done things. Yeah, we got in a bit of a tiff about this on the phone, didn't we? We got in a bit yeah. of an argument about this on the phone where we were at completely different points of view. We understand each other's point of view, but I, I just don't like the guy. I never no. have done, and. I, I understand him more this time around, but I God, I still don't like the guy. It, it, because this year's, and I put it somewhere in my notes, Picard is a man of peace, Jericho is a man of war. And Southfleet got him on there because he's a man of war and they're expecting war. Which makes sense, which does make sense, doesn't it? But when you spent the last six seasons having kind of happy Captain Picard on there... It doesn't work because no. it is very out of. It's not. It's and this is. Gonna, I think. I think you know where I'm going to go with this. It is definitely more DS9 than it ever is next gen. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you know with with Captain Jellico, I think it's a case of also the fact that he's been ushered in and he just doesn't have the time to. I think that's the thing. I know. You, I think you said to me he's he is like this is in in the comics or the books or something. He's um, also in the Captain Captain's Log graphic novel, which I was going to read, but completely forgot to read it. But he's exactly the same in that 
as he is in this. So it's not a situational thing. It's just his command style. Yeah, because I I did say that. Well, if it had been if it had been a different situation, or if I had more time, then maybe he would have done things differently. I just think he, yes, it's it could be wartime, but as I've said to Jamie for a long old while, with everything it's a matter of give and take, and there was never enough give or take from either side. Yeah. So there was this uneasy tense, and then it came to a head with Riker and Jericho. Yeah, it's just like, like really, is it like, is it the place or time to do it? But I think as Jamie said, to, I think Jamie said to him on the phone, tensions were running high, so it was inevitable. But it's just, it's a very, it makes me feel a little bit awkward. This whole episode, I, I like the whole issue at the heart of it about torture and all that sort of thing. I love the that I love that part of it, but it does make you feel very awkward and. My God, Jericho does rub me up the wrong wrong way the whole time. Yeah, I mean, you know, so uh, so what I see, what I liked about, we'll start with part one. <laughs> Brilliant intro with the shock of Bacar being relieved the command of the Enterprise. So if you're kind of watching it from a first time perspective, like, well, you want to find out more and watch more and find out why. Um, excellent performances across the board, especially uh, Stuart as Picard and Monty Cox as Captain Jericho. I thought it was some nice character development with Captain Jellico finding out he has a son who likes to draw. So basically, they try and humanise his character, despite how he is portrayed. Um, sets things up well with the conflict between Jellico and Riker. Um, the changes Jellico makes so quickly and how the crew and Riker views them is explored fairly well. Uh, along with Sina setting up the secret uh, mission with Picard, Wolf and Beverly. Um, I like how the justification for Picard, Wolf and Beverly going on the secret ops mission is explained. So obviously I think it's Picard, I think he had experience with Fata Band of missions, wasn't it? And obviously, well, well, Wolf is chief of security, so that's obvious. I, I, I can't remember about Beverly. I, I think there was something, I can't remember exactly the reasoning for her being there, but it was explained quite well. And obviously why Jellico is on the Enterprise, as he's extensive experience with the Kardashians. Um, I like the fact it was a more character-driven development two-parter than the usual action two-parter, so I thought it made a refreshing change. Again, this is kind of the nub of kind of what we were just talking about. So I felt sympathy for his character, so for Jellico. So he's portrayed as being unreasonable and hard-headed as he wants to get things done quickly with the crew. And though their frustration is understandable, the ship has to be prepared possibly to go to war the Kardashians. They don't have the time. He isn't making these changes simply because he wants to mess around with how things work. He needs the ship to be ready. So when the shooting starts, the crew is ready, completely in tune with their new captain. And I put, well, after it's far easier for a group of people to understand and implement the wants and needs of one person than it is for one, so then the other way around, kind of. I think my, my thing with all of it is, if you think about... I'm going to skip way ahead here, but all That's good fun. things. You know where he goes back in time and says, right, nope, not, not listening to Starfleet, we're just going to go off and do our own thing, mm. do this sort of thing. We're in the same situation where they don't know any of him. He knows them, but they don't know him. Mm. But yet, he goes about it, he's very diplomatic, and he manages to convince them that mm. he's doing the right thing. Although he, he's been on the ship, what, how long? Like, mm. a day? Yet he manages to do kind of the same thing but in a much better way than mm. Jericho ever did in the same amount of time mm. it's that that's my issue with it no I can understand that I, I, I like I said I, I 
I do get it, but I just I think he deserves some leeway. I think he just you know, I think he deserves a I'm trying to think of the right word, kind of what's the bloody word I'm looking for? I don't know, just a, a bit of leniency, I suppose. I just I do get it though. Like but I the said, the problem is he never gave anyone to any of the crew though. That's the issue. If he wants to get leniency from them, he has to give them it. Hmm. That's the issue. I think the issue is the both. You just both sides were just locked in this yeah, way of thinking. That's the issue. It's like they both need to be a bit of give and take from both sides, but there was none of it from anyone because it's like, who is this guy? Mm. Right. See what else? I, I love the way Jellica handles Golamek by letting him stew in the observation lands for an hour and pretending to have a guy to assert dominance because Cardassians do like to do that in social situations, and then I think. That's, and that's reinforced and actually put this down this is reinforced with their architecture like in DS9 so the goals office is raised higher over the others um, I think it's set up the development of the Cardassians as well as we find out more about them especially in part 2 and again terrific ending with the introduction of uh, Gold Madrid played by David Warner what trivia did you get for part 1 then? Um, decent amount uh, the Sawman 5 map painting is reused from the Masterpiece Society. That's the kind of place where they go and meet that fringy guy. Mm. Uh, the bar is a redress of the Deep Space Nine replica map. Yep. Uh, in Jellicoe's Red Room, there's a model of the Rockwell X-30 National Aerospace uh, plane. Um, a cancelled passenger space liner. Mm. Why isn't Admiral Nashaev wearing comm badge? It's one of my usual questions, and that's okay. Isn't she? Nope. She's not wearing a comm badge at all? Nope. Oh, wow. That completely misfooed me. I have, to, I have to go back and rewatch that bit. Is that when she first appears on the Enterprise? Yep. Uh, it's interesting seeing a blue ba- uh, blue badge during the change of command ceremony. Mm. I have thrown you with that comm badge thing, haven't I? You have, yeah. Um, and this might also play into what we're talking about. There's a deleted scene where Captain Jericho tries using some charm to get what he wants from Geordie while they're in a Jeffrey's tube. Um, Jellicoe's rugby academy friends with uh, USS Victory's captain, who was Geordie's old captain. They kind of use it as a bit of kind of, oh, you know that guy. Oh, I used to play rugby with him. That whole thing. And it. But at the end of the day, it's him getting what he wants. But just using it with a bit of charm, and it's just a bit weird. I'll be very very intrigued to see what you think of all these extra deleted scenes that are on the discs. I think it's a very... I don't know whether it would reinforce what you're saying or reinforce what I'm saying. I think it would Yeah. Mm. And that's just not a case where he just tried to put a bit of charm on it, but Mm. it was still at the end of the day him going, get it down. A couple of things I found... There were a couple of things about the episode. It's just... Um, I don't know. I think the way Riker acted a couple of times, I think I think he was deliberately made to be less professional to create that more conflict. So, like, he doesn't tell Jellicoe... He chooses to ignore Jellicoe's always about changing the shift pan because he didn't like it and thought he could talk him out of it. And he also didn't think the captain wanted to know that he'd launched the probe. The captain specifically ordered him to launch. Yeah. I get he's a new captain, but I just think... I think the writers wanted to... I think it's maybe a bit too quick, maybe. I don't know. It could just be me. No, I just don't think it's... They were the right... You can tell instantly that... it's. You can tell with the readjustment of the crew what was going on in kind of Jericho's mindset of, 
in a million years, I would not have Riker as my first officer. He works for Picard. But not for him, yeah. Which is so... why he gets Data promoted up to being commander, because Data does what he wants and is kind of a lapdog for him, and he want, that's who he wants for his first officer. And that's, Data, that's why and, that all happens. And so it does. It's probably just me then. Um, but Data does actually. It does make sense enough. No, but like you are true. There is a bit of Riker dragging his feet to a certain degree, and I don't think that kind of helps matters either. But when um, you've got into such a good relationship with your CEO, to going to this where you get nada, it, you know, going to get it done. You're going to go, you know, screw you. And I think the other thing as well I found... Uh, so, one of the things I picked up, and again, again, this is probably just due to time constraints, probably, um, but I just found Riker and Geordie complain about Jellicoe's changes to the ship of crew transfers and shift rotations. But though we hear, hear them say, we don't actually see it. So, part of my problem is, you know... It makes the crew seem unreasonable. It's like we don't actually see that actual struggle. So no, it feels... I think that might have been just a discussion of, oh god, this is a pain in the ass. We'll get it done, but we're not gonna we're not gonna bring it to the captain. It is a bit too petty. It's that whole thing where you have a discussion about someone, but you don't. You have a discussion about something, but you don't kind of raise it. Oh yeah, but I just think if we'd seen them try and make the change and it was difficult, I think it would have just put more weight to the whole conflict. It just makes I think it, I think that bit just for me at least it just makes the crew seem just a little bit unreasonable. But hey, I think the problem with that would have been that would have been Troy and Riker sitting down with a couple of pads, going, "Oh yeah, we'll ship Smith onto the fourth one. We'll ship that person yeah. onto it," which is not fun to film or watch. So they just went, "No, we're not going to bother. We're not going to." Well, 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 one one thing one thing I do love though is um, Deanna in this episode. Just she, she was just pretty much useless. It's like he, he assigns her to be kind of help with the crew's morale, but obviously she didn't seem to really do much because things just got worse. I think obviously. she was stuck in the middle. Yeah, but yeah, just but this is the first time obviously she does. She's made to wear the lieutenant commander's uniform, isn't it? Yeah, ultimately she gets better written in this half of the series. Yeah, and actually, I've got to say, I, I'm not saying Picard was wrong, but Jer- Jellico is actually right in saying that she should actually wear it. She is an officer, so I'm not saying Picard was wrong not to pick up on that. I said they're both different, but I, I do think again, Jellico brings up a valid point. It's like you should really be wearing a uniform. Yeah. So, in terms of part one, uh, what messages did you get from it, Sai? I say these will probably be the same as they are for part two, so I don't know whether you want to leave it for then because I. Okay, no worries. Uh, from what I've learned in recent years, I just kind of copy from both sides, just kind of. All right, um, that's that's. So fine. I don't know whether you want to leave it all to then because I think. You could they, do, yeah. Because it's all one story, so we can do it now. But I will just say the same for part two. We'll, so we'll leave it. We'll leave, tri- we'll leave the trivia. We'll leave the trivia. Well, we'll leave the the three M's till the end for both of us then. Part two, um, in terms of... Um... I found loads of this because there was a total of eight deleted scenes. Go for it. You start off then. Uh, oh, right. Okay. The antimatter mines are redressed, transported test cylinders seen in Lenson's Command and Data's Day. Each container has 100 mines in it and that comes from a deleted scene. The Mechanicer C5 Nebula reuse footage for, of the Mar... 
Oscura Nibblesy in, in theory. Uh, this, this is what I thought was interesting. I'm not sure I said this on the phone. Is the collapsing attack on Minas Culver that Captain Benjamin Maxwell from the USS Phoenix was warning Federation about in The Wounded? Yes, you, oh, I remember you brought that up to me. That was very, very interesting. It certainly could be, couldn't it? I think that just makes sense, the timing in terms of mm. when it happened, what was going on. When Commander Riker is walking down the bridge at the end of the episode for Captain Card, he cuts the corner of the horseshoe. If you look, he kind of cuts it and kind of jumps over the end of the rail. Does he? Yeah, very subtly. So this is 11 minutes, 40 minutes worth of deleted scenes. So I've got I've got a, a special disc for it where it's all involved and there's a 30-minute making of documentary. Uh, Troy wants to save the car, but Jericho... Uh, Jericho's so focused on mission success... Uh, Starfleet changes um, his command codes hit like so that they can't modify the Enterprise. I didn't have much room, so these are very short descriptions. Sorry, Even if ahead. Picard has to die, so you know, Jericho going, yeah, we've got to protect the Federation. Even if Picard has to die for it. Oh, Gomer Dread um, acts concerned for Picard to gain more information uh, and. Apparently he doesn't like using the drugs, you know, true serum, all that sort of stuff. It's not really true. Picard manages to pull Golmadred on the defensive. Um So like military rule and the Federation aid kind of going, Well, you know, the military's well off, but what about your people? The Federation can help. So he goes, No, we d- we don't want the Federation's help. So that's quite an interesting one. There's a brief scene where it's kind of Data being promoted first officer and Jericho still focused on the mission success. Mm-hmm. Um, Jellico receives the Minus Curvus defence plans from Starfleet, which he then says Picard would have no plans about. This is a bit that was interesting. You find out a bit more about how it all happens. So the Kardashian ship walks away back to Kardashia and Geordie then scans it. So that's where that all happens. Because it gets a bit convoluted with kind of what things happen and where everything is in that sort of part of the story, I've always found. Oh, what, in the latest scenes that you watched? Oh, no, no, in the episode as it came out. Which bit? What, Geordie in the deflector dish? No, like the scanning the ship, because it's like, oh, here's the Kardashian ship gone and all this sort of thing, and... When did they scan it? All that sort of thing. Oh, all gets cleared I out. Um, Enterprise crew strongly opposes Jericho's battle plans. They don't like the idea of the first strike, which is what uh, Dr. Crush calls it. Um, Wolf tells Jericho more detailed information on the antimatter mines in the Jeffries in the shuttle bay, where you find out that each one has 100 mines in it. And that's the last scene. So there's quite a few interesting little bits in there. And then there's the 30-minute making of documentary called The Privilege of Rank, Making a Chain Command. Uh, Marina Cersei's light her spacesuit. And the origins for the four lights in the uh, is uh, in the Russian gulags, uh, they had torch techniques where they used fingers instead of lights. Which I thought was really quite interesting. 
that's everything, Jamie. That's everything I've got for... Part two. Yeah. Well, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, they said all those little scenes are interesting. They do add quite a bit of depth. But again, I can understand why they didn't include them in the episode. In some um, of these cases, in some of the deleted scenes, I kind of prefer some of them. In some yeah. of because there's quite a few deleted scenes in the season, and some of them I actually prefer. Oh, fair enough. I think they add a bit more to the story, but I can understand being cut for time. So for me, so part two, I thought um, great character development of Gold Madrid, um, finding out about when he was a child, he has a daughter, and how Kardashian children are raised in the current state of Kardashian society. How how Gold Madrid's childhood, how he was brought up with him being powerless as a kid to assert that control by torturing Picard. So it plays directly into the torture. Both parts, especially two, lay the foundation for the Kardashians who have featured a lot in DS9. Uh, terrific performances by, I said, Cox's Jellicoe and especially Stuart and Warner. Uh, and I thought there was some really great dialogue and interplay between the two, uh, which creates some powerful moments, like Madred's daughter coming in and Picard eating a raw Kardashian dish. I mean, and this is again where I completely understand you being quite uncomfortable and awkward uh, side with this kind of particularly part two. The, the torture scenes are, are really brutal, aren't they? Um, they're, they're really well done, though, with Picard being stripped of his clothing, injected with drugs, and made to suffer pain with a device in his body, which I said makes us, makes him and us, the viewer, uncomfortable. Um, I thought it was brave that the two-part was being more darker and gritty, exploring uncomfortable themes than TNG normally does. Obviously, the continuing conflict between Jellicoe and Riker coming to a head, with uh, Jellicoe relieving him of duty. Um, and again, I, I, again, I kind of saw both points at both sides at this point, so you can understand why uh, Riker had so much trouble with him, but Jellicoe was right, Riker was subordinate, but of course Jellicoe was arrogant kind of an arrogant, impatient micromanager who ultimately proved to be the right man for the job, locking the Kardashians into a stalemate and forcing them to return Picard and abandon their plans for the invasion. So, and again, I know we've kind yeah, of... Yeah, that's something I will admit. He, he did get the job done. He did stop the Kardashians and he did get Picard out of it. So yeah. I will I will say that for him. It's just, I, I think I say this somewhere else, that, you know... There are other ways of solving things, but that was his way. I think Picard would have dealt with it a very different way. It oh, was definitely. kind of other way around. Um, I also liked um, the bit where Jellicoe and Geordie mentioned being assigned as pilots to the Jovian run. So a trip between Jupiter and Saturn and back. Um, a trip they would do every single day they were on duty. So I thought this was nice because it showed Jellicoe as a person gave us a taste of what normal life would be like as a lower ranking member of the federation so I just and again it's just that attempt to humanize delico i don't think it's a federation run though i think it's, it's civil i think it's civil? a civil run i i believe yeah i, I don't know i think i just that's just the vibe i got from it but you do get the vibe that they've all done this kind of civil run before they went to like starfleet academy where mm. yeah, that's the sort of thing i get from it maybe not kind of because you do find these sort of similar threads throughout here. It's, oh, yes, I did this random singing thing. and um, Some of the trivia I got for both episodes were Admiral... Is, Admiral, is it her first appearance in Next Gen? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, it's her first appearance. Um, 
Data wears a red uniform briefly for this episode as becomes first officer. Troy obviously wears her blue lieutenant commander uniform. And of course, the saying of there are four lights becomes part of the famous phrases of the franchise. So what did you what in terms of the films did you get then side for this for chain of command um teamwork is an important part of life there's no need to resort to violence in this case torture hope for the best but plan for the worst needs are the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few no life is more valuable than another one everyone's equal if there's something wrong take action be prepared get the right person for the job all governments lying cover uh, uh, cover things up uh, which is kind of propaganda Every decision we make has consequences. Don't jump to conclusions and don't give up so easily as a solution to every problem. Cool. Got some good ones there. Um, what I got from both episodes, um, change doesn't come easy and can be quick. Normally time is needed to adjust, but sometimes that is not always possible. So you have to go with it and do your best. So I'm, um, in this case, I'm referring to the whole like, uh, kind of the crew and Jellicoe situation. Um, good and up-to-date intelligence is crucial in carrying out missions because obviously we find out that it was pl- the intelligence was false and obviously Picard gets captured. In negotiations, you need to know how the other side thinks to move forward. So as Jellica says about the Cardassians' need to assert dominance, um, sometimes a battle is fought with words and wills, so not weapons. Talk- Apart from the only issues, they did use weapons in this one, but never mind, we'll... Yeah, that's why I said sometimes, not all the time, but yeah. Okay. Um, it's all right. <laughs> Keeping me on my toes, I don't mind. Um, <laughs> torture is wrong and inhuman. So everyone, even PO, POW, so prisoners of wars, have rights. Uh, how ch- inhumane. In, sorry, inhumane. Sorry, thank you. Um, <laughs> see what I mean? Oh, dear, my words today. Although I don't think I'm as bad as last season with you. I've really struggled throughout that sometimes with my words. How children are brought up is important and crucial in how they behave and the choices they make in the future. So, as Picard says to Gold Madrid about his daughter, if you teach children to devalue others, they'll devalue everyone, including their own parents. Um, and negotiate, negotiation is important to find an outcome both sides are satisfied with. So, yeah, so overall, a fantastic two-part. Absolutely loved it. Everything. I mean, there's, I had a couple of niggles with it, but I just thought it was a really interesting one. It sets up a lot of stuff. It does have impact with the Kardashians in the future with DS9. And, yeah, just a really great episode. Should we go on to... Did you want to say anything else about Chain of Command? or? No, I do. It's a fantastic two-parter. I just couldn't quite make myself put it through. No, it's fair enough. But, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a case of... I understand why you didn't, but you understand why I did, isn't it? Yes. Next episode. Ship in a bottle, another horror goes wrong. Data <laughs> and Geordie visit Sherlock Holmes program, noticing small anomaly. Uh, Parkley checks the programming and reactivates the program of Moriarty. Unknown to the crew, he's been alive and away in the creature's memory the whole time. Uh, this one for me is also going up as a. Really? Epi- yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic episode, yeah. I mean, I, I know it's no, a bo- no, 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 no. Oh, okay, controversial. No. no, no, no. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah. I mean, as a I bo- think this is. I think to be fair, this is akin to what I'm going to do in. Ooh, actually, to be fair, next episode. But you know, whatever. 
So you can sit there and go no, 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 no as well. Wait, so. you, you put Aquiel up? Yes. Okay. We have had this discussion before. Oh, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think you said, I don't think you said why, though, so I'm very intrigued to know why, but we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, I, so I ship... think I did, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it in a while. Um, yeah, so shipping a bottle, I mean, uh, yes, I know it's a bottle show, but it's a bloody brilliant one. So, um, for, so for me, I thought, um, great, obviously, having a follow-up from Elementary Dear Data with Moriarty's return, I think it's done brilliantly. Nice having Barkley in this episode where he's not actually suffering from something for a change, but he's just a crew member doing his work, so I thought that was nice. Uh, excellent guest performance by guest star Daniel Davis, who returns as Moriarty. Um, I thought I really loved the whole, just the whole thing of, he says he leaves the holiday, but he never actually does. I just thought that was really cleverly done. Um, I love the parallel with Scotty from Relics, when Moriarty says he is a person out of time, kind of like Scotty was. I love the end solution as well, where using Moriarty's tactics against him by making him think he and the counties have left the holodeck and were in space when they aren't. Although the first thing that occurred to me, and it's not really a criticism, but just a note of interest of, was that would Moriarty eventually figure out that he was in a memory cube? And if he did figure out what would actually happen then? Well, he couldn't do anything. He wouldn't be able to do I just wondered if he'd be able to, if he would be able to ever figure it out what would happen then if he did no uh, i think the phrase ignorance is bliss yeah probably what did you find in terms of like this episode for you then you said what would you i just very underwhelming just kind of well here's a hell breaking again like my old peril like eh. it's just very underwhelming for me jamie if i'm honest no fair enough so um, again i think i think this is part of the I think we're going to be reversed the next episode on. I'm going to think, I'm going to hear, I was very underwhelmed by this murder episode, but I don't know why. I don't know whether it was because I, I, as we said earlier, whether I was tired and that was the first episode that made made blindest bit of sense to me. But that's why I like the next one. Um, Okay, first time we see the Optronic Data Core prop later seen in the Killing Game. Yep. Uh, Star Trek equivalent of Inception or Matrix. Me and Jamie did talk about this on the phone. There's some mistake where they show a sequence where they transport the chair, but it's shown twice, which I really don't get. Yeah, that was a bit weird. I didn't know that damn myself. Um, this is a nicer version of the simulation hijacked by Seska in uh, worst, case, worst Case Scenario. Yep. Uh, it looks as though they didn't have anything to do... Uh, it looks as though Wolf didn't have anything to do, so I made him disabling the force fields, because why not? <laughs> uh, Moriarty in the Optronic Data Core... Um, oh, yes. Moriarty in the Optronic Data Core is a Star Trek next-gen equivalent of the Pup Probe on DS9. There yep. are, that makes sense. Uh, and there's a couple of deleted scenes, because, my God, they do filter through every now and then. Um, where Barkley takes out the wrong Isolina chip and Moriarty feels discomfort, which is just a bit weird, but, you know. Uh, further discussions on why on ways holographic consciousness is possible. So, it, they were very small ones, but I just... I was very underwhelmed. It was just like, oh, here we go again. Here's another holiday goes wrong. And... Yeah, I think this is... You know, and even though I did love this episode... 
Um, and you know, again, I think obviously, I think personally, it's better than Fistful of Datas. That's the thing about six. You've got these themes that they kind of play on again, but it, I think it's too much. Like the whole thing using the transporter a few times, and it's done very well later anyway with second chances. But it's just they're using the same thing again, and it's just a bit. It gets a bit predictable. Just gets a bit, again, as you say, kind of just a bit. What is it you said? Underwhelming. So I, I completely understand, Sai. What I, I just didn't think anything was really added to it. Like, oh yes, we've parked too close to these planets colliding with each other. Yeah, well, why didn't you stay at a safe <laughs> distance and not worry you wouldn't be at risk and Moriarty could do what the hell he wanted for however long and no, there would be no peril? Like, oh yes, we're going to go up close for some reason. Well, maybe, uh, I mean, you know, because obviously in the last, in Chain of Command, you had the big threat of there might be an invasion. And obviously, you know, because going for absolute hell, maybe they just wanted to say that was a bit less oh, They light. wanted a bit, they wanted something a bit more lighthearted, but I think, mm. I don't know. I, I, I think this, I think we had discussion on the phone. I wish they'd done something a bit more adventurous with it. I don't know what that would be, but maybe not this. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I I, I love this episode. I think it's, but I do get I do get where you're coming from, so I do understand your point. So it's fair enough. It's, it is it is what it is, isn't it? The three M's I kind of got for this again: the notion of what is real and not are we in a simulation. So as you as you said about the Matrix films or Inception, uh, obviously it would be in a obviously future. Um, creating a new life form has all sorts of moral and ethical considerations and consequences, as Picard says to Moriarty when he asks to bring Countess Bartholomew off the holodeck. Um, and we would do anything for the ones we love, as Moriarty does to reunite with the Countess by taking control of the ship. So, and obviously the whole thing about it, you know, holodeck, you know, has holodeck have a consciousness and that kind of thing. Um, so, hollow characters. Uh, what, what about you? What did you get for the three M's? Truth will come out eventually. You always have a choice. Don't interfere with other people's lives. There's always another side to the story. Perceptions can be changed. Have an open mind. Love changes people for the better or worse. You can't blackmail people into doing what you want. Don't patronise people. Every decision you make has consequences. Don't give up so easy a solution to every problem. Everyone deserves a second chance. So, is that... Yeah. So, um... Yeah, so obviously I put this up, but you didn't just say it. No. Yeah, so uh, next one we're going on the reverse. <laughs> Ugh, this next one. Aquiel. Um, the Enterprise. I kind crew... of liked it again. I put this one up. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm intrigued to know your reasoning. I'm actually generally intrigued by it. Because kind of... I was thinking about this last night and thought, I'm going to get so much hate for this because it. This one is berated throughout fandom. But I think this is another case where I think in some ways everyone's got it wrong. Because I think this is better than an episode that comes up later. By miles. Sure, it's not the greatest episode ever created. I'm not going to stand there and go, yes it is. It isn't. It's 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 alright. It does what it says on the tin. Mm. It's sure, the special effects are corny and god-awful. But 
I, I was thinking, this is a sign, and I can't believe I'm going to put this in a sentence, but never mind. I think this suffers from the same issues that I think Code of Honor has. What, this one? At Quiel? Yeah, I reckon this works better on paper than it does on screen. Maybe. But I liked it. I sat there and actually enjoyed it because the producers were having fun with the audience. And my God, the writing this is so much better than um, it is in, say, Suspicions. Suspicions, my God, I have so many issues with. Or we both have so many issues with. But this one... And, you know, again, we discussed this on the phone. And yes, it's another Geordie falling in love with someone he shouldn't do. But for a Geordie falling in love with someone he shouldn't do, it's actually a decent episode for Geordie falling in love with someone he shouldn't do with a decent plot attached to it. Yeah. Um, so can I read that the synopsis? Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, the Enterprise crew begins an investigation when the crew of a relay station is discovered missing. In the course of the investigation, Geordie goes through the logs of Lieutenant Unari, which is just creepy in itself, and find signs that she has experienced conflicts with the station's senior officer. I had a host of problems with this episode. I, it, uh, did Geordie, in, uh, yes, in terms of Geordie's romances, this is probably his most successful, and he's the least creepy. But you still come up against the problem of Geordie and just... I just don't know what it is about Geordie and the concept of romance, but the writers just can't seem to get it right. You got they, it in this one. Uh, it actually works in this one. You told me on the phone, it actually it, out of all of them, this one works the best. It does, but it's still not the greatest. It's still weird and creepy. But That's yeah. the way Geordie goes about it. It's, again, it's the Harry Kim of Next Gen, like... Not quite right, but never mind, we'll give it a go this time. Yeah, um, yes, and uh, in terms of comparing its suspicions, the uh, the mystery of it is done better, yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so obviously, so... Um, I'm surprised you're not parading me even more than you would usually. I'm surprised you're letting me off lightly this time. Well, I, well, I just... I think for me, um, well, let's see. Well, let, let, I'll go through what I liked about it first. We'll, we'll start off with that. The initial setup of the mystery of what happened to her before the intro seems interesting. I thought the interest of the dog being a shapeshifter was good, even though we know it has something to do with it throughout the episode. It is kind of focused on, we're not entirely sure. Um, some decent twists and turns of what is happening. Good performance from Benny Jones, who plays Aquiel. And I thought it was really good character development as we find out a lot about her from her personal. Because even though, despite it coming from Geordie, kind of acting creepy and inappropriate, she does get some good character development. Oh, but the problems I had with this episode. Oh, my God. So, you know, it's... The murder... The, I was put in speech off. The murder mystery that is set up leads to a lack of a satisfying resolution. So the biggest flaw is that the episode sets it itself up as a murder mystery, but it isn't it's just some bog standard alien weirdness aquil's problems for a co-worker don't really come to anything and there's no <laughs> real humanoid drama there but beside the central rather by the numbers romance anything set up as a mystery in the teaser it just doesn't have much of anything really i know you need to have a bit of mystery sometimes but it just doesn't really need anywhere i found geordie acting creepy again like he does with Leah Brands back in season four he looks through her personal logs and I know I know he's got to look through her logs to 
ascertain stuff, but it just gets way too personal. And then just the way he makes himself at, at home, and like it feels like he has no respect for it, even though at this point you think she's actually dead. So at first it all looks rather tragic. Then when she appears alive, it just feels incredibly inappropriate, just that, the fact that he's done that. And he just he acts like a lovesick teen. There's just no sense of professionalism with him at all. I found, and I know you'll probably disagree with me on this, but I just thought the mystery of what happened and the Geordie and that cruel romance didn't blend together very well for me. Um, I think you're missing a bit of the puzzle. Uh, I, I, I know what I, I understand what the production team was trying to do, and I think you're missing it. Go on. So my thing on it was, I think I did briefly touch on it on the phone, as I think we said earlier. I think the production team were trying to misdirect the audience by what had happened earlier in the season. With what happened in uh, Measure of a Man, with the rock ceremony. Measure of a Man? Yeah. Oh, you mean Man of the People? Man of, yeah. Sorry, yeah, mix up. Man of the People with the rock ceremony business. Right. In this, you have Acriel doing a similar thing. So okay. you, they want you to think that something weird is going to happen with Jordy, and it's going to happen. It's going to be passed on to him to make you think she's the threat when she isn't. It's a whole total misdirection of she's up to no good. Oh no, actually she's doing a traditional uh, ceremony. Yeah, I could kind of say that. I could kind of understand. Yeah, I could kind of see where you're coming from. But I know it's just ten- tentative as hell. It but that's what they were trying to. But if you read the whole story beats throughout, it all leads back to her of her being up to no good. Mm. And the other thing is why I think it works better than anything else, than say suspicions. You have three people on that subspace radio station. It could be no one else. And you're gonna completely forget about the damn dog. Yeah, that part, like I said, that part of it is done well, and and it's actually, as you say, it's Wolf actually being utilised well because obviously in suspicions it's Beverly investigating. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense, but yeah. So I know it's not the greatest episode, but I liked it because I'm not high up on my murder mysteries like my co-host here. So from a kind of point of. Well, this is a yeah. fun episode. I quite enjoyed it. It's just, I don't know why I was struggling up to this point. I watched that one and went, actually, this kind of makes sense to me for some reason. I know everyone else is going to hate it. And even to mum, I sort of said, oh, yeah, God, uh, God I've got this episode up next. Even Brady, it's her going, yeah, wish me luck. And I yeah. watched it and went, actually, that makes, that makes sense in my head for some reason. I don't know why. I'm not sure it will ever happen ever again. But in this this moment, this moment in time, it makes sense in my head. I just think that, you know, when you get to this point with Geordie, it's just, I know, again, I know this is the least kind of failed one, but it just... Geordie never goes into any relationships in his normal mindset. There always has to be some quirk for it. So why not, oh, you're alive, well, I have to find out about you somehow. But that's the way he likes things, and, uh, like... I just think... uh, Having for love in love for once in his pure old little little life it might as well be season six he's not gonna have a chance in seven so and the fact that he does they do get together it's nice he does there is which is nice i yeah i just think you know i just 
it just doesn't seem to be any growth from his character in terms of romance though and i just i, I don't know i mean this is just me but i just didn't think there was any chemistry between them i no, just felt I, artificial i got something, I got I, something. so i just was like but but you know um it does it there is improvement there in terms of his character in terms of as you say he does he is less creepy he still is but it's not it's toned down it's not dialed up to creep factor like it was you know i'm gonna uh, say i've put it up i'm gonna put it up but i can rest assure you all it's not gonna be this season's episode i can tell you that for a doubt that's not gonna happen i i can't really see why you would put it up but fair enough i'm, I'm trying to understand why you would but i, I must have i don't know it was just in that instance i liked enough. it this... um can i talk about some random bits of trivia yes uh subspace relay station 47 another instance of the um 47 is a redress of the crow satellite seen in the neutral zone oh i said this is jamie on the phone and it made me laugh the gold tape Hairpiece in Acrial's quarters was previously worn by Pelotov, played by. Oh, what did I put his name down? By the guy in uh, The Most Toys. Where, as I said to Jamie on the phone, I hope they washed it thoroughly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that the main subspace relay station control room was later modified and reused as Enterprise and Cell control room for Eye of the Beholder. Uh, I already said that one. On the lower level of the main subspace relay station control room are controls reused from, guess what, the Enterprise D Battle Bridge. There we go, the first Ridgeff is a Battle Bridge. wonder when that was going to turn up. Um, this thing really, you know every every time we do this I always ask those really quick well, questions where you go, yeah why is that a thing? Why didn't they cover the hole in the floor when they removed the deck plating? Like, there's a freaking hole in the floor, yet no one goes, you know what, we're going to put a cover over that. <laughs> like, can't, like, health and safety? No, don't worry about it. No, just don't walk there. Don't walk in that direction. It's a hole. <laughs> you know, like, a big hole. You can fit through it. No, don't worry about it. We'll be fine. Um, I th- Oh, this is a silly one. I think that the coalescent organism is the social equivalent of Kirby from Nintendo. <laughs> just yeah that's what it reminded me of I don't know I really don't know and I'm sure for the next few years you'll all be going what the hell was that about Simon but I don't get the, C- the CGI but... is god awful but I, oh, yeah. like, I bet you if you it sounds better on paper than it ever does on screen I think it's one of those cases um, some of the trivia I said I got was well, one of the morphs regretted right this episode. I can understand why. Uh, and Picard mentions again that he was Garen's arbiter of succession. Uh, yeah, that that was a good bit of blackmail in there, just thrown in for good measure. Hmm. And literally, all I got for this episode was trivia, because again, if you don't like the episode, you're not going to find much. That's kind of the rule. You shouldn't let your personal feelings cloud your judgment. So, Geordie acting professional investigating what's happened, but he gets romantically involved with Aquiel. Even though she, for a while, she's considered a murder suspect, isn't she? So, yeah. I found a good amount, and I completely forgot there is also a situation to give her a whole character that she also had a 
case of domestic violence, I think, from her father, because that also comes up in her letters to her sister to add oh. to the realism that's thrown in there just for the hell of it to make you understand her life is just a misery. Uh, the truth will come out eventually. If you need support dealing with something, ask for it, and that's why I've put that in there because of domestic violence. Honestly, it's the best policy. It's no need to resort to violence. It's something wrong. Take action. Um, so there's another side of the story. Don't run away from your problems. Face them. Uh, so with the kind of take, take action. Like, ask for a transfer for Pete's sake. That's the solution to it. <laughs> if you find yourself in a toxic relationship, get help. Every decision you make has consequences. Don't jump two conclusions that's i i got something yeah but and rest also, assured i'm not it's not gonna win it yeah and also if you're gonna be in, if you do fall for someone or you don't, don't act creepy like geordie does just yeah but <laughs> i don't know uh, j- yeah just yeah, that that does baffle me side but yeah okay i'm glad it's not gonna be you know the, the top one which well is you put one. up the last one yeah, but that's more revered anyway. So, you know, I think people will understand that more than I understand putting up that grill. But hey, everyone's different. Well, nothing happens in it. Yes, it does. Like what? Well, we are to take so over the Enterprise. Yeah. <laughs> well, Frankie took over from Rel- in um, Rascals, so who cares? I can say the same about grill. Nothing really happens in that. It's just about a veiled romance, but there you go. Um, oh, anyway, turns so into a blob. Huh? A dog turns into a blob. Yeah, very fake, terrible, <laughs> crappy CGI effect blob. It's but, yeah. very early CGI. So what, what do you want from them? Yeah. Like... But yeah, so I think that ends our part one, doesn't it, of our season six review? So yeah, so obviously we've already put up a few episodes already, haven't we? And yeah, we hope you enjoyed listening, guys. Um, and we'll be back very soon with our part two review. Okay, we'll see you then. Yeah, of season six. Bye.